0: I want to be a lawyer in a Jimmy Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Ya, you will have been a man. La ta'kulu amwalakum bainakum bilbatil. Illa antakuna tajaratan antarazim minkum. Wala taktulu anfusukum. In the lahakana bikum rahima. We are now on Surah Al Imran, verse number. 29. Surah Nisa, Surah Nisa, Surah number 4, verse number 29. Here L'Aspantala is ent- making a ruling, an injunction, that he's not going to spend a lot of detail on. And today, actually, there's going to be one or two things in which we're going to do some time in spending some detail on, but inshallah, we may be able to move a little bit faster today. Here the SWT saying, O oh, you who believe, O oh, you have iman, who are enjoying the aman spiritually that comes with iman. If now again remember you're in Medina Manawah and you want to learn how to understand the aman in society that should come with iman and you want on the basis of your iman that Allah SWT should tell you those commandments and rulings and ways of life which will give you aman. So number one, la تأخذ amwalakum Do not partake of one do not partake of one another's wealth, property, assets, bil batil, by means of falsehood. That's the first way you can take it. It can also mean in vain. But it means bil batil by means of false repudiated means, illa, except only partake of one another's wealth, that when the partaking of one another's wealth consists of tajara, tajara or some type of trade or commerce conducted on mutual agreement, mutual consent minkum, from all of you. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the first shart, first shart in terms of financial transactions and financial relationships and economy and such rela- matters. The first shirt is number one. There should be nothing that's batal. Now that in the deen of Islam, there are many, many details. Elsewhere, what is viewed as batal, such as interest, gambling, stealing, misappropriation, dealing in liquor, selling other things or, that are impermissible, bribes, corruption, hoarding, right? There's a long list of things. So first, Allah did an isharah that don't engage in any. If you want the aman that goes with iman. Don't engage in any transactions that involve the batil. Second thing Allah Ta'ala said, that second shart, is that whatever you do engage in that is not batil, you need a second search on that. And this is why those of you who have studied fiqh, the fiqh of bayu, you will see taradhi al This comes over and over and over again, the mutual agreement of the two parties to any financial transaction, commerce, the buyer, the seller, the leaser, the lessee, etc., etc. Right? So here Allah has made hudud of what is batal. Then within that he's left it up to human beings. But here also Tarazin is suggesting there shouldn't be any fraud, any deception, any false advertising, any false marketing. Right? Next ruling is, in the, okay, That you should not, now this could, literally means that you should not kill oneself. That's literally, I mean you could not, you should not kill yourselves. This has been understood then to have three meanings. And again, all these meanings are simultaneously coexisting and all of them are intended. Number one is rubbed with the previous ayah, which means that do not destroy yourselves by means of haram wealth. In other words, if you don't set up an economy and engage in financial dealings according to the two conditions above, then you will end up destroying yourselves. Whether that means you fall into batil or you do things, Against the mutual pleasure and consent of one another. Destroy oneself could mean destroy oneself in this world, right? Or it can mean destroy oneself in the Akhirah and the Hereafter. Alright. Second meaning of La Taqtulu anfusakum means that don't kill one another. So that is simple that don't, there should be no murder in society. Third meaning is that do not kill one set yourselves. It means do not commit suicide. So all three meanings are here. However, again, because you see there is no real other mention here of murder or the ikam of murder and elsewhere in Qur'an, Allah Ta'ala, and we're going to do that when it comes, mentions in detail the punishments of murder in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa Ta'ala as well as in this world. So perhaps the first tafsir which relates it to what came before may make the most sense, but all three meanings are here. Suicide is not going to come again, so let me just say that when a person, when a believer commits suicide, Nabi Akadem mentioned clearly in Hadith that that person will be placed in Jahannam, and they will be repeating the method and manner by which they perform that suicide over and over and over again. Again, this this word khudud, which I've told you that in Arabic means to dwell therein forever, But there are other ayat and hadith that suggest that a person, if they have iman, no matter what sin they commit, they will eventually make it out of jahannam. So even though some people may translate these Arabic words in English for you, that to suggest a person who commits suicide will be in jahannam forever, rather it means that they will be in there for... If they have iman in their heart, they will eventually come out, but they will be in there for such a long period of time, it will be almost forever. Again, we have to understand that, you know, notwithstanding that all of our human compassion, normally we feel sad and sorry for the person who committed suicide, because normally the person who commits suicide does so due to some emotional or psychological sadness. Allahu alam, Allah knows best, right? Uh, but that punishment is mentioned quite clearly, and it's hard to imagine somebody committing suicide for a reason other than emotional or psychological sadness, right? It means that a life, taking a life, is a grave sin in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether that life be the life of taking a human life, whether that life be a life of another person, or whether that be your own life. So it's viewed as, in that sense you can understand, that it's viewed as grave a sin, as murder. The fact that it's your own life doesn't make it less of a sin. So suicide is viewed as murder. It's just happens that the murderer and the murder, murder victim are the same individual but in terms of criminality and in terms of sin it is viewed like murder. Alright. In Allah Kana bikum rahima and Kana sometimes comes from Mazi so you can say look indeed Allah has been very merciful up to you up to this point. And it can also mean Kana for istimrar. Allah has always been and will always be extremely merciful with you. But it's a difference, right? And these are the subtle things that if you, if you go into the deep Arabic tafasir, they go into these things. That what's the difference between saying, إِنَّ اللَّهَ رَحِيمٌ And what's the difference between saying, إِنَّ اللَّهَ And what's the difference between saying, Inna اللَّهَ كَانَ Rahima And the difference between saying, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ بِكُمْ Rahima. So just to let you know the type of things you do miss out when you're doing dora. Right, otherwise one could actually go and look at all the interesting things the Ulama Tafsir have written about this. But you can understand Allah Smah has always been and he will continue to always be with you, Rahim, extremely merciful. So that person who does this now, right, so this is going back again to either the murder or the suicide, the person who does this, udwanan out of enmity or hostility by Zulman, out of injustice, philosophically he nodded, and very soon we shall cast him into the fire of Jahannam. Wa kana zalaika اللَّهِ yasira, and indeed that is very easy for Allah Subhanahu to do. Okay. In تَجْتَنِبُوا this is a very, very important ayah, surah an Nisa, verse number thirty-one. In تَجْتَنِبُوا kabaira ma تُنْهَوْنَ anhu. نُكَفِّرْ أَنكُمْ سَيِّئَاتِكُمْ وَنُدْخِلْكُمْ مُدْخَلًا كَرِيمًا إِن تَجْتَنَبُوا If you refrain and abstain كَبَائِرَ From the most major ma From all of those things تُنْحَوْنَ That you have been prohibited anhu from them then what will Allah ta'ala do? Nukaffir. And the royal will. Allah says, we will certainly expiate and erase and wipe away ankum from you, sayyatikum, your ill deeds, your evil deeds, or your minor sins, and nudkhilkum, and we will admit you and enter you into mudhalan kareema, a honorable, generous place to be admitted into, i.e. Jannah. So what does this I mean? So this is the I where you may have in Urdu heard this thing, Kabira so this I is mentioning that from all the things that Allah Ta'ala has prohibited and to do any one of them knowingly, willfully would be sin. But there are some things that He has prohibited that is known as the kaba'ir. The kaba'ir, the most enormous, more enormous and tremendous sins. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that if you stay away from them, then Allah Ta'ala is saying ankum ankum atukum, So Allah Ta'ala can wipe away your minor deeds. So first thing, is what are the kabair? So, Imam al-Dhahabi, Ur-Himullah, a great hanbali alam of deen and muhadith, he wrote a book called Kabair, al-Kabair, available in Urdu also, but not yet available in English, but available in Arabic obviously, There is no an Urdu, in which he outlined 70 sins, 70 prohibitions by Allah that he felt to be amongst the kabair. Then Ibn al-Nujaym al-Hanafi, added, a few more things, I would say, I can't remember the exact number now, a few dozen, maybe two, three dozen things to the kabair And then he also, Ibn al tried to identify the saga'ir or what are the minor sins or the sayyat. All right. What was the basis on which the Hadith scholars did this? They felt that kabair will mean any sin for which Allah SWT mentioned Jahannam as a punishment in Qur'an or Hadith. Any sin where Allah SWT mentioned wa'id or a terrible chastisement and anger from Allah ta'ala as a punishment, the wrath of Allah, the wrath of Allah. So if anything sin has been mentioned as incurring the wrath of Allah, they would put it in Kabar. Anything in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He will remove that person from His, move that person from his mercy. Remember, La'na, they would put that in Kabar. So these are the criteria that these muhaddithin used, and fuqaha used, to identify the Kabar. This ayah, like every many times I tell you this, this ayah must be understood in light of the other ayat of Qur'an karm. So what you would want to do then is this word Sayyat. You would want to see in Qur'an that where else did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use this word Sayyat and what else has Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about this Sayyat? And what other ayah talk about this nukfir or this act of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wiping away or effacing or expiating these deeds from us? So this should be understood in light of ayah number one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that يَغْفِرُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ That he forgives whomsoever he wants. So that means that forgiving us for our minor sins, that is up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he wishes, he will do so. If he wishes, he will not do so. What will make him wish to do so, that will be a person's own taqwa. Now when you bring in hadith, so hadith in Sahih Muslim, Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ said something very similar to this ayah, that that person who prays five prayers a day and fasts Ramadan every year, then these five prayers will be an expiation, kafara for what comes between them. And the fasting of Ramadan will be a kafarah for what comes between it, except for the kabair. Except for the kabair. So I'm going to tell you later how to get the kabair forgiven. The sayya'at then suggests that will be forgiven, number one, if Allah Ta'ala wishes, and number two, for that person who offers good deeds, who fulfills the farayat and wajibat, the mandatory obligatory injunctions of Deen of Islam. Third thing is that the sayya'at are forgiven through istighfar. Just simply by asking Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness, begging for His mercy, the sayya'at are forgiven. And another ayah, Allah mentions that good deeds wipe away sayya'at. That the, the good deeds that you do, the hasanat, that one person does, wipes away the sayyat. Now let's return to this issue of the kaba'ir. In fact, interestingly, another hadith I will tell you, uh, because it's related to something we did yesterday, it comes in a hadith that a person, well, khair means a sahaba, kissed a sahabiyya outside nikah. And he went to Sayyidina and confessed of this sin, that he had kissed a woman. And then Allah subhanahu wa revealed down an ayah of Surah Hud, which mentions that the prayers also are a kafarah for a person. And then the other sahaba asked the Prophet is this just for that person? And the Prophet said, no, this is for the entire ummah. So even prayer, regularly praying something that erases from us our sins. Right. What, are the kabah- what can erase the kabayr? So the kabayr can only be erased through tawbah through tawbah and certain special major acts, such as hajj. Such as hajj, but it's understood that a person makes true Toba on hajj. Hajj is that's an opportunity or a special event of Toba, so a person must make Toba. Toba again means that that person is, seeks the genuine forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and promises and pledges never to do that sin again, and then indeed never returns to that sin. In that sense, by means of Toba, the kabah are forgiven as well. And we should understand that as far as like Hafiz ibn Qayyim al-Jazeera used to say, that don't look at how small or great the sin is. Don't look at whether it's from the Kabair or the Sagair. Look at the Kibriyai and Azmat of that being against whom you are sinning. That Allah subhanahu is Al-Akbar. And therefore in that sense, every command of His has a Kibriyai, has, has a greatness to it. So we should not think ourselves what is kabar and what is sagar. We should try to avoid all sins altogether. But this does suggest, Qur'an is telling us, that we should try to stay away from the major sins. And one of the major sins that was mentioned earlier, right, was that lack of haya, that fasha, that behayai. And you will find that shaitan also always tries to bring a person into major sin and tries to put in, into place a system an environment that brings a person into major sin, and especially that Muslim who is praying. So that person who is doing the hasanat that are wiping away their sayyat. So there's no point in shaitan to involve him or her in sayyat because that person is praying. So shaitan is going to make an extra special effort to involve that person in kabir. That's why our Mishaykh in Tasawf used to say that, <laughs> Means that as strong the person is on their deen, as strong shaitan tries to attack them. Allahu Akbar. But of course, Sayyidina Rasulullah, he still comes in a deed that he said that my, my shaitan, because Allah Ta'ala actually appoints an individual personal shaitan in every person. So the Prophet says, My shaitan has become Muslim. Allah Akbar, obviously, kept so much sohbat with Sayyidina Rasulullah, had an effect on him. Jeeb. Fair. All right, speak. Oh, la know. All right. Do not yearn, ma fadlallahu bihi ba'dakum ala ba'al. Do not yearn for those things by means of which Allah SWT has favored some of you over others. Lid-rijali nisibum mimma ktasabu wa linnisa'i nisibum mimma All right. First thing Allah SWT is saying is don't yearn and crave those things. What it means here is talking about those things that are outside of our ability. Don't yearn and crave something that's within your ability. So if somebody has been given more ilm of deen than you, but you have the ability to get that ilm, you should yearn it, you should crave it. If somebody has been given more taqwa than you, but you have the ability to also get taqwa, you should yearn it, you should crave it. But those things that are outside our ability to attain, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that don't yearn and crave and have hasrat and, you know, cry over the fact that you don't have it. This is the fazl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yeshah. He bestows it on whomsoever He does. hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah وسلم, that goes very well with this. And he said, the Prophet said, let me describe to you who is a shakir and who is a sabir. If you want to know that who is that person who is grateful and patient... So the Prophet said that that person will be qualified as shakir and sabir who in matters of deen looks at those who are better than him or her and in matters of dunya looks at those who are lower than him and her. In matters of deen when they look at those who are better than him and her they will take that type of sabr which I told you was himma, fortitude, endurance and they will try to increase their level of deen. And in matters of dunya, when they look at those who are less well off financially than they are, they will have shukr and they will be grateful about how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. And this is what all of the ulama and mashaykh teach, that we should in matters of deen look at those who are above us. In matters of dunya, we should look at those who are below. This next ayah literally means that to men will be given, to men will be given the portion from which they have earned, and to women will be given their share from that which they earn. What is the meaning of this ayah? So there are two meanings again, and you can take both of these meanings simultaneously. First meaning is, Umm Salma radiallahu ta'ala anha, she said that, you know, the, she went to the Prophet sallallahu said, that the men are able to fight in jihad, the men receive, sons receive twice as much as daughters in inheritance. So it seems that men are being favored. So in response to her question, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah, that to men will be whatever nasib they have gotten from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, Whatever Nasib Allah Ta'ala wishes them to have from what they earn, and to women will be the same. Second meaning of this ayah is again rubbed, again, again linking it to what came before. And in that sense what it would mean is that the first verse was saying, the first part of the verse was saying, that do not yearn for those things that you cannot attain. But here it's saying as far as those things that you can attain that are within your reach, then to men they will have a share in whatever they strive for and earn and attain and women also will have a share for whatever they strive for and earn and try to attain. And you should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his fazl. In other words, ask for plenitude and abundance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's infinite bounty and grace. in Allah shay'in Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing over each and everything. وَلِكُلِّنْ For each and every one, Allah subhanahu ta'ala saying is, we have made مَوَالِيَ مِمَّا تَرَكُ الْوَالِدَانِ وَالْأَقْرَبُونَ We have made beneficiaries heirs from that which the parents and the relatives leave behind. That is again an isharah towards inheritance laws that came earlier. وَالَّذِينَ أَكَدَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ And those with whom you have pledged, made a covenant and pledge with them by oath. أَيْمَانُكُمْ is by your oaths. Fa'atu hum Then you should give them their shares. What is this referring to? Now this is understood. This you can understand. This simply number one linguistic meaning. That if you have pledged and engaged in an agreement with anyone, you should give them what you had pledged to give them, right? And if this happens after a person passes away, then that will be counted as the dain and the liabilities that remain outstanding against him. A second tafsir is that this ayah refers to something, a particular Aryan inheritance law known as Mawla mawalat. And that refers to that person who passes away with no surviving relatives. And the question was, was a mawala, again I told you, is the name of that person who frees a slave. And so there was a particular relationship then they would have, a sort of patronage. They were like a patron or a patronage, that's what they call akta mawalat between the person who freed the slave and the slave who was freed by them. And this was such a close relationship that some felt that if a person dies and leaves no surviving heirs whatsoever, whether it's spouse, children, parents, siblings, nothing, then the person who will get their inheritance, if they had freed a slave, would be the slave that they had freed. This is the position of Imam Abu Hanifa, And otherwise then if the person didn't even have a slave that they had freed, Then all of their estate goes to Mal, right? Just like in America when somebody dies and doesn't leave behind a will in the Last Testament and according to American inheritance law, there is nobody who has a lawful, rightful claim to the estate, then the estate goes into the public funds, right? And it remains in limbo there for a few years in case anybody comes, but after that period expires, it just becomes the property of the state. Imam Shafi and Imam Malik, however, felt that no... If that person had no surviving heirs and had a slave that he or she had freed, even she, it won't go to the freed slave and it will go directly to Beitul Ma'a. So one of the delil's of the Hanafi Madhab is this ayah. Clear, that's a long thing, but every now and then we show you sometimes that just one ayah of Quran is talking about something. There's no hadith that can settle the matter, right? And the different fuqaha use different methods, what we call usul of ijtihal, to derive legal rulings from Quran al-Karim. اَنَ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَىٰ kulli شَيْءٍ Shahida. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bears witness, as all witnessing over each and every single thing that you do. Next ayah is so Surah al verse number 34. And onwards are a very important ayat again when we're talking about issues of women, gender, and Islam, and we're trying to counter and you know, uh, remove some of the feminist misunderstandings. That have taken place about the Deen of Islam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so first biggest thing is how do you translate this word? So some people translate this word as men are superior to women. That is not the meaning of this. Some people translate as men as leaders of women. That is not the meaning of this kawam means by means of which the woman has her qiyam it means that men are the supporters caretakers the source of the support and sustenance of women that the qiyam of women is by means of their men so the best English word here would probably be supporters or caretakers right supporter when understood in the sense of caretaker not supporter in terms of fan right the men are the fans of women but that's not the meaning of this word. <laughs> okay? So men are supporters in terms of caretakers of the women. Alright. Now two things are mentioned here. Number one, bima By means of which Allah Ta'ala has given His fazl to one over the other by some fazl that Allah Subhanahu has sent upon the gender of men over the gender of women. So there's going to be some discussion here now what that fazl is. we we'll come back to that in a moment. And second, wabi subals so for sabab, right? And second, by means of that which the men spend min him from their wealth and assets and property in order to support the women. Okay, the second thing is easier to understand, right? That men are support take, supporters and caretakers of women because every woman, if she is a daughter, her father is liable for financial support, right? If she is a wife, her husband is liable for financial support. If she is a mother who is aged and if there is a son, then the son is liable for her financial support. That is understood. The second part of the verse is understood. First one, what does it mean بِمَا fadl? First tafsir could be that it means the same thing. First, Allah Ta'ala mentioned it as a fadl, trying to indicate to the man that this wealth that you have, and wealth assets and property that you have by means of which you are supporting the women, that has come to you as a fadl from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. It's not your own intrinsic property. That's the first possibility. Second possibility, some have taken it to mean that a fuzzle, that this is somehow a preferred position. Preferred position. What does it mean? The preferred or higher position of being the emir. And this is something I've discussed with you before, that the man is viewed as the emir of the household. So that can be viewed as a fuzzle or a preference in terms of hierarchy that Allah Ta'ala has given the man in the household. Right? Again this is irrespective of practice It means nothing If a woman can demonstrate by practice That I can run a household That doesn't change the fact Where Allah Ta'ala has put a person right? And you should also always understand That laws are always legislated For the masses right? So many, many times you give this example That if you have a speeding limit Of 55 miles an hour on a highway And there's a race car driver And he says no I want to go 100 Nothing will happen He'll still get a ticket And say, we know you can do it, but you are an exception. Laws are made for the norm, right? So here Allah Ta'ala is explaining what the norm is. So if a single woman steps up and says she has the ability for her to be the emir of the household. Islam is not denying that ability. But Islam is saying that Allah Ta'ala is saying in the Quran, but he's given that responsibility to a man. You see, sometimes you may have an ability to do multiple things, but you're given a responsibility to do a particular thing. Sometimes you may work in a corporation as far as your ability goes you can do five tasks but the president of that corporation feels that he wants to make you responsible for task number one and because you accept him as the president of the corporation you simply do task number one so it's the same thing in the deen of Islam, that even if a woman has that ability, she should accept Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is far greater than the president of any corporation as her master and ruler and creator and fulfill the responsibility that he wants her to do even if she may have an ability to do other things. And the same goes through for the men. You may get the man who says, I have the ability to be a great mother. Right? You may have that ability. There may be a man who has that ability. But it's not just about ability, it's about responsibility. And responsibility when it is appointed and delegated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then there's more barakah in fulfilling that role that Allah Ta'ala wants us to fulfil and there's more ubudiyyah, there's more slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like the boss will say that, you know, I want you to be a good you know, whatever, loyal corporate lad, right? You're gonna be loyal to the company. And you're gonna prove you're loyal to the company by going and doing this, right? And that's what you think. Or the prime minister says that, you know, you're my main man. I know you'd love to be ambassador in the U.S., but I'm sending you to be ambassador in Russia. Right? So if he really is loyal to whoever his superior is, he will do whatever responsibility their superior gives them. It's the same thing in deen. In fact, many times you can really understand how to behave in deen by the way you're already behaving in the dunya. The way we defer to superiors is simply the way we should defer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here, okay, so that covers this issue of puzzle. All right. Next part of this ayah. So here Allah Spantale is mentioning, okay, let's put this, فَصَالِحَاتُ And those women who are righteous and pious and upright, who are they? They are, قَانِطَاتٌ First attribute on them that they're humble or obedient. And it does mean humble and obedient to their husband. It doesn't mean obedient to a tyrannical husband. It means humble and obedient to a proper husband, right? Just like a good employee is that person who follows the orders of a good employer, right? Okay. Hafizatun lil Mama Hafizallah. <laughs> and they safeguard and they protect in the absence of their husband, what Allah subhanahu wa by help of the by help of the protection and safeguarding of Allah. What does this mean? Number one, it means they protect their chastity. That's the most glaring thing that this ayah is talking about because you're going to see about what's going to come next. Number one is they protect their own chastity, they guard, their modesty in the absence of their husband. So, meant in one example you can give in time of sahaba that when their husband sahabi is away on jihad, right, or away on trade caravans, they will guard their modesty and chastity. They will not be involved with any other men. It also can mean that they also safeguard their husband's wealth and property and possessions and household and everything else, right? They safeguard it, all Wallati right. وَاللَّاتِ تَخَافُونَ النُشُوزَهُنَّ And as far as those women of yours, that you fear from them نُشُوز. Now what is the meaning of نُشُوز? All right. Just so you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Nabi al Kareem salsa mentioned a hadith in Sahih Muslim that, Allah, that uh, the Prophet salsa said in a hadith in Sahih Muslim that you should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding your wives. In other words, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding how you treat your wives. So that teaching is also there indeed. That as far as the pious, righteous wife goes, the husband is supposed to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make sure he never mistreats her. But this is talking about a different case which is Nushuz. Neshuz, its linguistic logoimana imana means rebellious, insightful, right? And here when it comes to a woman, neshuz means either some high form of infidelity or outright adultery. Some of the commentators have taken it means outright adultery. And some have said it means a high level of infidelity, but maybe not the outright act itself of adultery, all right? So for those women... Whom either you fear that they have committed adultery, but it happened in your absence. This is what's going to happen in your absence. So there's no question of four male witnesses, right? So you cannot accuse them of that because I did that for you before. That if you accuse a woman of that and you don't have four witnesses, you get 80 lashes yourself. It's called Hadir Qasif, right? The punishment for slandering a woman. So it happened in your absence. But maybe there's some reason. Somehow you can tell. Sometimes that can happen, right? But you, you can tell that something happened but you don't have the four male witnesses to establish that it happened in the Islamic court of law. Okay. So, for a woman like that who you fear, so it's taken to say so that you pretty much know that she did either high infidelity or adultery itself. So what should you do? So number one. So now this is a stage wise process. Fa means then hunna uh, So you should admonish them. You should verbally. This is a verbal step. You should verbally admonish them. You should verbally warn them. You should verbally give them some nasiha. Alright? That you should then leave them alone in their beds. Which means you should separate beds from them. Now this is meant to be an emotional or psychological thing. And this is the husband's expression of his displeasure that the husband is saying that even, let's say even one of the most basic fundamental aspects of this relationship, I'm not even interested in that anymore. Because I'm so upset at your adultery, which I cannot establish in Islamic court of law because there's not four male witnesses to do that, right? But I know you did it. Okay. Third thing is Wadribu Hunna. Again, one of the most second most difficult thing maybe to explain. Actually, no, not really. But for women maybe, second most thing that they want. Wadribu Hunna means to beat. Right? That means to beat. But rather I would use a different English word here. There are two English words you may use. Some, I would use the word spank. Spank, in other words, or slap. That's what it means here, like you would say a tupper. Now, tupper, if it is given, if you spank someone out of anger, that is haram. If you spank someone to inflict bodily injury, that is haram. If you spank someone out of tarbiyah, if you spank someone out of tarbiya to inculcate good behavior, that is jais. That is jaz between parents and children, and that is jaz between husband and wife. In fact, it even comes in one hadith that a woman came to the Prophet Sum and said, "My husband slapped me. He's told her slap her back. Uh, he told her slap him back, right? The yubiya, right? Okay. Here, that may not have been terbia. That may have been a tit for tat type of situation, right? But there's this notion of you now. This is not in any way, and this is a big problem. That there are things in Islam and there are things in all good teachings that if you take them to excess or you misinterpret them, right, they can become a source of abuse. So it doesn't mean Islam is in any way sanctioning even the slightest form of child abuse or wife abuse that is absolutely forbidden in Islam. Child abuse and wife abuse is absolutely forbidden in Islam. So understand first in a hadith and Abu dawud Sayyidina Rasulullah said that you may not hit women in their faces. Don't strike them on their face. So the slap or rap or spank cannot be on the face. Number two, do not do so. So all these rulings come in hadith and then the books of fiqh based on the hadith actually criminalize this. this is if a man slaps his wife on the face that's a crime in fiqh and he will be punished under Islamic law. Second, that you cannot inflict any injury which means any bruise even the slightest of bruise, let alone cut or blood or sprain or fracture or broken, that will all be a crime under Islamic law and you'll be arrested and prosecuted for assault and battery of your wife. This is a tarbiyah, light slap or rap or spank. That's what's being allowed here. That's it. Alright? And it's clear in all the books of fiqh, whether it's Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi, Hanbali, that any injury inflicted by a man on his wife, even the slightest injury will be prosecuted by an Islamic court of law. So this is not legitimizing wife abuse in any way. Still a person may wonder why. So that's going to come in a moment, just in the next two or three ayahs. Allah is doing this. Now let's now think rationally. If you like to think rationally, right? What should be the rational response of a husband who is quite convinced, and may anywhere from quite convinced to absolutely certain, that his wife either betrayed him through high infidelity or outright adultery, the response should be divorce, right? Anybody would think, right, that would be divorce. Yes, and this is a a case where I think everybody would feel. Actually, Allah subhanahu doesn't want the divorce to happen. So these things are preferable to Allah ta'ala than divorce. That somehow if the woman can stop herself from ever repeating that behavior... Because of that one or two spank or rap, and number two, the husband can feel that he has done tarbiyah and view that as sufficient punishment for this act of infidelity and adultery, not feel the need to do divorce. Allah ta'ala prefers that over divorce. That's what's taking place here. We're to see the next step is Allah ta'ala tells us, oh, before, فَإِنْ أتعنكم. And if after that they obey you, now here comes the word obey. Now, obey you is referring to what just comes before. If they obey you in the sense that they're obedient in guarding their chastity and modesty and fidelity, فَلَا تَمْغُوْ عَلَيْهِنَّ Sabila, Then you should not seek any means. Sabila reading, but it's actually Zitunmeen on it. <coughs> you should not seek any means whatsoever against them. That would include then no longer verbal admonishing, no longer separating the beds, no longer the spank or rap, and no divorce. Don't seek any means on them whatsoever. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ أَلِيًا كَبِيرًا Now Allah SWT used a new combination that you've seen so far in Quran. And it's a rare combination. Maybe even the only place it comes in Quran. اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ kana Aliyan kabira. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Ali. He is the real exalted one. And Kabir, he is the being who is of tremendous might and of a tremendous stature and nature. All right. وَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ شِقَاقَ بَيْنِهِمَا If you fear a separation, a schism, right? Between the two of them. فَبْأَثُوا حَكَمًا مِّنْ أَهْلِهِ وَحَكَمًا مِّنْ أَهْلِهَا حَكَم means a third party negotiator, arbitrator, who has been given the authority by the husband and then by the wife, right, to act and do the sulah and negotiate the peace and reconcile between the two of them? And the suggestion min ahl here is that the preference is that it should be from the family of the husband, the family of the wife. Again, all this is yet another thing Allah Taala wants to do before the divorce takes place. So if they can make up with each other due to, again, keep in mind all of this is initially for a case of infidelity and maybe adultery, right? And those three things were specifically for nishus. In other words, the verbal admonishment, you can think yelling and being upset and getting upset at the wife, separating the beds of the wife, and the spank or the rap, that is exclusively only for nishus, only for nishus, only for outright rebellion, infidelity, adultery. The other things are more widespread, general, that can be done in any case of marital dispute. This issue of appointing a third party. Alright? Okay. So, what the purpose of that third party is that... Uh, so, in yurida and if the two of them really in their heart want to patch up, but they're just too angry with one another to do it with one another... But if in their heart they really wanted to patch up and reconcile and that was the niyah in their heart and with that niyah they appointed a third party arbitrator from their family to make the peace then Allah Ta'ala will make it happen. Allah Ta'ala will patch them up. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ أَلِيمًا خَبِيرًا And indeed Allah SWT is all knowing and all informed about what is in your hearts. So if you really want it in your heart Allah Ta'ala will help and make it happen. Wa and you should only and only worship and be devoted slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. bihi And you should not associate any anything as a partner to Him. And then with your parents, you should treat them with Ihsan. Again, I told you the word obedience won't come, but a whole range of other words will come. So this is the second, I think we did discussion of parents earlier. Well, second time has come, That you should... Behave with your parents in the most noble of ways. Ihsan is really the highest level of human behavior. With the highest level of nobility, virtue, kindness, respect, what you call adab, ikram, ihtiram. But not obedience. Obedience is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger. Wa Wasallam. zil qurba, and you should behave excellently with your relatives. Yatama and with orphans will وَالْمَسَاكِينَ and with those who are truly needy Jadi. Alright, and the neighbor. Alright, now one, I received a question from someone that what is the Islamic definition of an orphan? Alright, so Islamic definition of an orphan is quite simply that person who has uh, no parents. Person who has lost their parents. That is definitely an orphan. If a person has lost one parent, if a person has lost a mother or a father, single parent, they may also be viewed in some sense as partially, partially an orphan, because they are partially an orphan in that sense. Right? And some of the rulings that came in Quran when it was talking about guardianship, it meant orphan children. Right? It meant orphan children. Uh, There may be a person who after the age of maturity physical and emotional maturity loses their parents they won't be viewed as yatim they won't be viewed as the yatama all right and this is historically in the islamic empire because so much mention of this word comes in quran al kareem that it was a great feature of islamic civilization uh, the treatment and upliftment and tarbiyya and ta'lim and education of orphans so much so that many of the great ulama and uliyab, of the history of this ummah were actually orphans Began as orphans and all of you know Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu wa himself was yatim, was an orphan. Alright? Okay. وَالجَارِ qurba And that means that the neighbors who were near. Jaril Junubi And the neighbors who were far. Now what does this mean? Now some of the ulama have mentioned that within 40 houses... 40 houses around you, a 40 house radius, that person counts as your neighbor in Sharia. So 40 houses to your left, 40 houses to your right, and it'll be a little bit difficult to do the rest of the radius, but maybe, you know, 40 house, 40 lanes. I mean, if you take later than 40 lanes this way, and then 40 lanes that way, and then everybody in between with the Purik Mahalla Banjaga, that'll be a whole block of defense perhaps, Right? So here, if you, but Allah Ta'ala is mentioning, right? Allah is clearly mentioning the right of the, that you must behave with Asan, with the distant neighbor. With the distant neighbor. So distant neighbor has been taken to mean up to 40 house radius. And close neighbor means what you normally feel to be your neighbor, the person right next door. Next door neighbor is it's in English. Next door, maybe almost next door, if you're living in an apartment, maybe in your wing, right? Of the floor, whatever that feeling, it's a feeling. It's a, or if this is a, if it's a maruf. Who you feel to be your neighbor. Right? Who you feel to be your next door neighbor. But even the more distant neighbors. So this is showing, you know, how, for example, in America, these women may be a good neighborhood citizen. They used to talk about this. Right? And neighborhoods. Hood means, right? That's the 40 house radius. So that concept is there in the Deen of Islam as well. All right. bil uh, jambi. Jam literally means your side, was sahib means your friend. So it means that friend of yours who is close to you, that friend of yours who is a very close friend. So you should behave with asan, with your close friends. This is also an ashar that you should have close friends, <laughs> that a human being is part of humanity, to have friends who are close, who are confidants, who are near to you, right? It's part of humanity. is uh, Sabil, and this is the traveler, this we've already mentioned to you. وَمَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ And you should be, behave with asan with your slaves. This nothing not generous you hear now. وَمَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ Asan with your slaves. So look at that deen that has put slaves in the same sentence as parents. This is how exalted Allah Ta'ala has viewed the way a person should treat slaves. Asan with parents and all these including slaves. And you should think then for today... Right? Your servants, your knocker, tucker, right? Your servants are like are one notch above slaves. So they should be included in this. So a person should behave with ehsan towards one's servants. Let me put it this way. You should speak with your servants in the same tone that you would speak to your parents. You should speak, if you're an older man or woman, you should speak to your servants in the same way and tone that you would expect your children to speak to you. So it means the opposite of Ihsan, if you want, in order to take the opposite of Ihsan of Batamizi, then what you think constitutes Batamizi with parents, if you say the same tone, that constitutes Batamizi with your servants. And a lot of people in this segment of society don't have that. And you see that the way they talk, and the way they act, and the way their mannerisms, even their body language, is with their servants, is radically different than it is with other people. So, and this is also the deep tarbiyah of Islam. That asan should be so deep in you, there's really no one really left out of this. These are all your associates, right? There's no one really left out of this list. So, Allah Ta'ala is calling a person to asan in their, all their type of behavior. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا Now, like I told you, you should keep track of those ayat in which Allah Ta'ala mentions he loves, right? We should also keep track of those. This is the second place it's come. First place it came was an interest. Second place, not loving has come is here in the man kana fakhura. So Allah subhanahu does not love that person. Muhtalan fakhura. means who is proud and arrogant, and fakhura means who is boastful about that. And so it's suggesting what the here means. That any time a person doesn't have asan, has a failure of asan, a lapse of asan, with any one of these categories of people, it's because of their arrogance or because they're proud and boastful. All right. Aladina, yamchaluna wa nasi wa ma Allahu fadlihi wa atadna muhina. Here Allah saying is that those who We did this before from Bukhul, those who were stingy, who are majali. And they command humanity, they command people with Bukhli. In other words, they enjoy and they tell people also to be stingy. Not only are they stingy, they also get other people to be stingy. All right. And they conceal that which Allah subhanahu has given them. fadlihi from his bounty. So they don't want people to know how much they have. Not, there's a separate thing. Not knowing how people, are because you're humble, you don't want to be viewed or treated in a different way because you're wealthy. That's good. They don't want people to know how much they have so they can be stingy. They don't want to disclose the company's profits lest the workers realize that we should really be getting paid much more than this. If due to our work the company is making so many millions, we should be getting more than minimum wage. They don't want to disclose it. They don't want anybody to know. Right? So this is not a good thing. It's not a good thing that the fuzzle of Allah should not be hid for such an ill purpose and it should be shared with those who perhaps earn some share in it. And so here Allah says that Allah, says that Allah is prepared for the disbelievers in extremely humiliating punishment for that which they do. And this came before that those who spend their wealth in seeking the praise of people, to show off and a show display and ostentation. And they don't believe in Allah's and they don't believe in the last day. So this would be the atheist philanthropist who gives money because he wants to be known as a philanthropist. And you know, it happens sometimes in America, even in Pakistan. A person enjoys, it's their nasty life, being known as the person who donated a lot for education. They like going to gatherings, and I have witnesses with my own eyes. They like being known as the person who contributed to education or contributed to charity or contributed. And many times they don't even believe in Allah subhanahu they don't believe in the last day. So how does Allah subhanahu describe such a person? Allah describes such as a person in the following May. يَكُنَ الشَّيْطَانُ لَهُ كَرِينًا It comes from مُقَارُن. It means that person for whom shaitan is intimate, an intimate companion for them. Karinaan, that indeed he has taken the most evil and terrible and worst of companions and what harm would it have done to them? What would have happened to them? لَوْ amanu billahi if they had believed were they to have believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last day wa مِمَّا mimma اللَّهِ and if they had spent from that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had graced them with wa اللَّهُ bihim and indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all knowing and all aware about everything they do in Allah لَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not oppress or does not will not be unjust to a person even the amount of an atom not an atom's weight injustice will be done wa hasanatan يُضَائِفُهَا That if you offer a good deed, if you offer a good deed, then what will do, yudhaifuha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? Allah يُضَائِفْهَا ifha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will multiply it and magnify it many, many fold. وَيُؤْتِي مِنْ لَدُنُهُ أَجْرًا أَذِيمًا And He will bestow upon it from His own self. مِنْ لَدُنْهُ And it's going to come later also. إِلْمُ laduni comes from this Milla Dunhu means that from Allah own behalf, from His own treasures, it's also been assured from His own zat, from His own essence and His own being, He will bestow أَجْنَ adima a tremendous and great reward. All right. Many, many things that are mentioned in these ayat about tarbiyah, but I think I've done enough uh, tafsir on this. فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جِئْنَا مِن كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ بِشَهِيدٍ وَجِئْنَا بِكَا عَلَى هَؤُلَاءِ شهيدة That how will it be on that day of judgment? That when we bring forth from every ummah a shaheed, from every ummah somebody will be called to testify in front of Allah Taala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And then we will bring you, Sayyidina al ulai that you will come to be a witness over all of these witnesses. This is a fascinating thing, that every ummah will have a witness on the Day of Judgment on Yom Al-Qiyamah. Who will testify what? Who will testify to the Nabi who brought the revelation to that ummah, who will testify to the scripture that came to that ummah, who will testify to whom in that ummah accepted the invitation and dawah of that Prophet. And then this ummah, sound sounds like our ummah will present a witness over the witnesses. Our Nabi, Sayyidina Rasulullah himself will be a witness over those witnesses. So in that sense, Sayyidina Rasulullah will become a witness over all of humanity. يوم إذن يوضّ kafaru wa asawu. Now that day, now, there are going to be two types of people. alladhina kafiru, Those who disbelieve. وَأَصَوُ الرَّسُولَ And those who disobey Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ. Look what Allah Ta'ala is linking. Disobedience to the Prophet ﷺ. That means that that is something separate. Guffer is disobeying in Allah. Disobeying the Prophet is something separate. That means Allah Ta'ala's injunctions are separate. That's called Qur'an. The prophetic injunctions are something separate. That is called Hadith and Sunnah. So yuwaddu means that they will wish, they will learn, they will hope, they would have loved. They will wish that the earth is taswiyah, that the earth is... literally means the earth is leveled upon them. That the earth would just make them disappear. You would say in an English idiomatic language, they wish they could disappear under the earth. They will be so terrified. At when they look at their own kufur, their own dis- dis- disbelief in Allah subhanahu ta'ala, <laughs> and when they look at their own disobedience of the Prophet وسلم, وَلَا يَكْتُمُونَ اللَّهَ But they will not be able to conceal anything from Allah And the hadith here means a statement, any news, any khabar, any matter, any affair, they will not be able to hide anything from Allah subhanahu ta'ala on that day. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you believe, لَا تَقْرَبُ السَّلَاةَ وَأَنْتُمْ سُقَارَةً that you should not come near the prayer in a state that you are in an intoxication. Now, this is, I told you, that there were three stages to the prohibition of wine and alcohol and liquor. The first one we did before, that when we did wine and gambling together, so when we did wine and gambling together, it was mentioned, take this table It was mentioned that, what was it, إثمهما, that their sin and their harm is greater than their benefit. That was the first level. Here is the second level of prohibition, that you should not go near the salah when you are intoxicated. Now obviously then, this was an asharah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want you to be distracted from the prayer. And the third and final message we're going to do that is is Surah Ma'idah, Surah number 5, verse number 90. And that is what we have told you, فَجْتَنَبُوهُ فَإِنَّهُ ash الشَّيْطَانِ That you must stay away from it altogether, for indeed it is an abomination from shaytan. Alright. Here, a nukta here, that one, even when Allah ta'ala changes the legal ruling of something, there's still a lesson there. That just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not want us to be intoxicated by physical liquor, just like that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want us to approach the prayer when we are intoxicated by thoughts of the dunya. It doesn't mean don't pray, but it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want any level of distraction. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want your emotional, spiritual ability to be lessened and numbed. He wants us to pray to Him in a heightened state of spiritual awareness. Alright. So this is what it says. Hatta such that you should know what you are saying. Okay, now this is something that means that you should know what we're saying so all of us should at least learn the meanings of Salah and we should try to feel the feelings of those meanings and then when we say and utter those words, we should try to be feeling the feelings of those meanings. Next thing is, that you should not enter the prayer in a state when you are junab. Junab means to, refers to a severe impurity right? that occurs upon a man or a woman, that you share, all of you should know what that abid is sabilin, hatta حَتَّى تَغْتَسِلُوا So you should not approach to prayer unless, when you are stayed in of Janab, until you get the chance to do ghusl. And for the person who is traveling, there may be, this is referring to that case in which they may not be able to have access to water, so ghusl is not required for them, they can make the yammam. And this is that I is making it clear that the yamam is not just a substitute for wudu, but the yamam is a substitute for ghusl as well. yamam, all of you know, is to use a pure earth-like substance. Pure earth-like substance. Pure means there's no najasa in it. It's not a piece of, mu- piece of sand where some dog just came and urinated. Earth-like substance is defined as a brick, cement, concrete, sand, earth, mud, etc., etc. Something that when you put it into fire, fire is not able to burn it. Something when you put it into fire, fire is not able to burn it. And the method of jamam is you tap your hands on it, you dust it off, right? And then you just have to wipe your arms and your face. You don't have to do masa. You don't have to actually wipe your feet. So it's abbreviated in terms of the portions of the body that have to be purified. And it's a much easier way. And this should also be something you should know that if a person is ever ill, you should just get a brick and put it near them and they can make the amum and they can pray in their bed. And this is something that many people don't realize and they're very lax. And I think if they're ill or if they're in the hospital, that means that they don't have to pray at all. In the Deen of Islam, you can pray in if, if due to illness, due to illness, that is an excuse to pray in any posture or position you want, so much so that a person can pray lying down just by making ishadas with their head. So if a person is, there may be a person who is in a complete coma. That's something separate. But even a person who is quite ill, another thing that when you're sick, you don't have to pray any of the sunnas. So if a person is very sick, if they just need to pray the farad, they have a brick near their hospital bed. They can easily make the on that, using that brick, and they can make their salah lying down, even if they're that sick. And that is something that people would be able to do, all right. And that would enable a person, obviously. To get the special mercy of Allah Spalata and also to perhaps be more quickly cured. So here this is mentioning that ti'ammam is also sufficient as a substitute for a ghusl. Same ti'ammam, by the way the method of ti'ammam is no different. Same method of ti'ammam will be a substitute for a ghusl for that person, an example of which is a traveler who does not have access to water to wash themselves. Otherwise, the other people hatta taqtasidu, that that person will not be able to pray unless they're able to wash themselves with water. The ahkam of is also something that you should all know by now. All right, so this I've done for you, I've just translated for you, I'll just translate for you that if you are sick or you are traveling or one of you has come from relieving oneself or you have literally means touched but it means that you have cohabited with women and you do not find any water then you should simply make the amum with a pure earth-like substance and you should by means of that pure earth earth-like substance, you should do masa, you should wipe your faces and wipe your arms. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ أَفُوًّا That indeed Allah taala is all pardoning, all forgiving. So it's suggesting here that the ruling that is given, the dispensation that is given to us for Yamun is part of the afwa and maghfira, part of the pardoning and forgiveness from Allah Utu nasibam min يَسْتَرُونَ الظَّلَالَةَ وَيُرِيدُونَ أَنْ تَذِلُّ السَّبِيلُ That do you not gaze and wonder at those people who have been given their share and a portion from the book. This is again looking at the ethnic Kitab. And what did they do? They chose to change, exchange that, and purchase by means of the Dalala misguidance. And what do they wish? They wish actually to distract or divert people from As-Sabeel, from the straight path. والله أَعْلَمُ بِأَدَاءِكُمْ And no, this is something that I did once within your talk. Wallahu أَعْلَمُ بِأَعْدَارِكُمْ That know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows even more about your enemies. Who they are, what their plots are, what their scheming is, what their strategy is. وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَلِيَّةِ And sufficient is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a wali. وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ نَسِيرًا And sufficient is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a helper. Okay, wali again means protector and guardian. So this is an ayah that should be used whenever and wherever the muslims as individuals or collectives are being oppressed by any type of enemy force wallahu a'tna hum bi a'da'ikum makafa billahi wal yawma kafa billahi naseera Alright. min alladhina <laughs> hadu al kalimata an mawadhihi وَيُكُولُونَ سَمِعْنَا وَأَفَيْنَا وَاسْمَعْ غَيْرَ مَسْمَعٍ وَرَائِنَا لَيَّمْ بألسنتهن وَطَعْنَا فِي الدِّينَ Okay, من الذين هادوا؟ الذين هادوا means the Jews, right? الذين هادوا means the Jews. Now from some of the Jews, what were they doing? يُحَرِّفُونَ الْكَلِمَةِ كَلِمَة means words, تَحْرِيف means they were altering and twisting words. And taking them away from their places and their context. So, mawadi can never mean that they were changing the words from their places. Mawadi also means the place of wada, mahalle wada, makan wada, and that can mean context. So, what when they say, سَمِعْنَا <laughs> So, what when they say that we hear and we disobey, as opposed to سَمِعْنَا وَاطَعْنَا سَمِعْنَا وَاسَيْنَا We hear and we disobey. وَاسْمَا Musma غَيْرَ And They would say and then listen in a manner that don't listen. They would tell people that listen and disobey, or second option that you should listen in such a way that you're not really listening. in and what you should do is that what they would say this word ra'ina, and I did this for you before, right? That this was they were twisting this word. This was a, actually a curse word in either Hebrew or Aramaic or Syriac or whatever language the Jews of Medina, Manubra spoke at that time. All right. They are saying to him, and they are distorting it with their tongues, and what ta'nan? Ta'an means to mock and jest. Fiddin, and they were mocking the din of Islam. Wa lau anhum kallu wa ata'na. Wasma manzurna lakana khairulhum. And if only they had said that we listen and we obey, and listen and look at us, look towards us, look listen to and look towards us, lakana khairulhum. This would have been better for them. Wa akwan. وَأَقْوَمْ means that this would have been more righteous, more ethical. وَأَقْوَمْ more proper. More proper, more stable, more firm, more... It's like Akwam, you can say it's more propriety, would have been more proper for them to do that. In, because they didn't do that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has removed them from His mercy by means due to the kufr, due to the disbelief that they harbored in their hearts. فَلَا يُؤْمِنُونَ إِلَّا كَلِيلًا And indeed, very few of those Jews believed in the Deen of Islam and the Prophet in Qur'an al-Karim, إِلَّا except a small number. And this we've done before. Allah ta'ala mentioned that only a very few of the Ahl al would believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Qur'an and Nabi Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. All of this, we, these topics we've done before. Ya ayyuhadina u Utul kitaba aminu bima nazzalna musnadikun lima maakum that O oh, you who have been bestowed the book, you should believe in that which we have revealed, that which is verifying, that which you already have, which you already had from before, in other words, previous scriptures. Annat وُجُوهًا فَنَرُدُّهَا naruddhaha أَدْبَارِهَا adbariha. Oh, Nal anuhum kama ashab وَكَانَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ مَفْؤُولًا Okay, here Allah saying is that you should believe in that which we have sent down, which verified what you had before. أَنْ نَتْمِسَ وَجُوهًا Otherwise, we will disfigure your faces. Disfigure your faces and return you, right, return you onto your backs. Or we may curse you, which means again we will remove them or we will remove them from their mercy. كَمَا أَصَابَ just the way Allah Ta'ala says that the people of the Sabbath were removed from the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. This also explains to you that they disregarded the Sabbath, they casted their nets, they hunted fish when they weren't supposed to. And we did that ayah in Surah Bakr Allah Ta'ala, disfigured them and converted them into some monkey or ape-like or primate-type creature. وَقَانَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ And indeed the commandment of Allah Maful will come to pass. Mafool means something that is done. A fail that has already been done. Wakana أَمْرُ اللَّهِ And the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will certainly come to pass. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَن Bihi Wa وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ <تَالِك> Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not forgive anyone in this, in this world that if they unrepented sin of associating any partner to him. However, Allah ta'ala may forgive anything other than that. لِمَنْ يَشْرَىٰ To whomsoever he wills. And I did this with you earlier, that the earlier ayat of sayyat should be understood in light of this. So that person who Allah Ta'ala is not going to forgive, right? That person who associates anything with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. فَقَدِ tara إِثْمًا That such a person has perpetrated a massive sin. Such a person has perpetrated a massive sin. All right. Okay, keep going. Alam tara illadina yuzakuna anfusahum. Don't you look at those people who literally it means who yuzakuna anfusahum who have done taskia of themselves. So the way they normally read this is that those who consider themselves to have been made pure by their own efforts. So this ayah can mean many things, right? Originally, it was talking about the Jews that the Jews felt that they were the chosen people. But many of the mashayikh of the Sawuf also read this ayah to suggest, that number one, that you cannot do tazkiyah of your own self. Number two, that you shouldn't feel that your tazkiyah is ever completed. Why? And this is an ayah, right, that many of the students of the Sawuf should be focused on and realize. But it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not us, it's not Shaykh, it's not us as students, it's not the Shaykh. It's the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When His will comes, He may do that tazkiyah through some type of sabab. but it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is what we call Muzakki haqiqi. He is the real. Murabbi haqiqi, Muzakki haqiqi, He is the real giver of purifying. So, Balillahu يُزَكِي مَنْ يَشَاءَ وَلَا يُذْلَمُونَك فَتِيلًا And Allah SWT is that being who is the true being of, uh, of وَلَا يُذْلَمُونَ He will not People will not be caused injustice. Fatila, fatila refers, is, a, is, a, is the pit of a date, literally. It means will not be, an, at, another way of saying zarra, mithkala, mithkala zaratan, even an atom's weight injustice will not be done to a person. أُنذَرْ كَيْفَ Allah uh, al اللَّهِ الْكَذِبِ Don't you see how they invent lies, they bind lies, they fabricate lies, they attribute lies to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? وَكَفَى بِهِ إِثْمًا مُبِينًا And this, that was referring to the Jews. وَكَفَى بِهِ إِثْمًا مُبِينًا But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient. The, sorry, their act of theirs, وَكَفَى بِهِ Their act of fabricating lies to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is an إِثْمًا مُبِينًا and is a clear and manifest and open sin. All right. Here we should mention also the importance of uh, to nafs and the importance of purifying ourselves and the importance of asking Allah to purify and you can also see where Allah here is referred to himself as a muzakki and elsewhere you remember Nabi Kareem so was mentioned as muzaki because that was one of his purposes you zakki him right so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet do tazkiyat of the ummah Allah Taala and the Prophet do Taskiya right of the Ummah. So artisikil will be done through the commandments of Allah Sallallahu wa Alaihi Wasallam and the Sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allam tare illa al-dhina aatu min al-kitab yu'minuna bil-jibti wa ta'ghuti wa ykuuluna lil-dhina kafuru ha ulai ahdah min al amanu sabila. Okay, now here Allah ta'ala is relating something that takes place between the Ahli Kitab. So have you not been seen those who have been given a portion of the book? Why does Allah SWT, by the way, say this several times, portion? Allah Ta'ala is suggesting that already what they have is corrupt. Already what they have is corrupt. So the part of it that is indeed still scripture, kitab, kalamullah, is just a portion of what they have. Or you can phrase it in another way that the original Injil, they just have a portion of it. Because they've already corrupted so much of it and lost so much of it. The original Torah, the Jews of Medina Manorah, only had a portion left of the original Torah. And even from the portion that is intact, and this was the hikmat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that that portion which talked about the last, the signs of the last and final messenger and many, many features about him, that was part of the portion that they had that was intact. So that hujja is complete on them. They cannot say that we only had a portion. The portion that remained intact until the advent and coming of Sayyidina Rasulullah was sufficient for their hidayah, even if they had followed just that portion, that portion would have guided them to accept the Deen of Islam, the Kitab Quran, and Nabiy Akareen. Alright? But the way Allah Ta'ala is addressing them, right, is the way Allah Ta'ala is showing that He is telling them that He knows that what they have is only and that's something that they knew as well. And if you ask me, even today. People who are real biblical scholars must know that the text they have is corrupted and is partial. There's no way you could engage in academic study of the Bible and come to any other conclusion other than that. Right? So their state remains the same. And the nasib is probably much, much, much less today than it, originally, than it was at the original time of Sayyidina Rasulullah so what happens that if you're not seen, do not gaze in wonderment, are you not stunned by those who have been given a portion of the book, that they believe in idols. They believe in idols. And they believe in shaitan. So jibti here means idols, and taghut here means shaitan, iblis himself. But what do they say? They say to those who disbelieve, and they say regarding them, that those people are better than the believers. In other words, Allah is saying, what's the problem with your ahli kitab, juzum, Medina manara, you prefer the mushrikeen of Makkah to these mu'mineen. You prefer people who do shirk. If nothing else, the portion of your book that you have also makes this clear, that shirk is wrong. So if nothing else, you should have seen this battle that took place in Makkah Muqarama between the forces of shirk and the forces of Milat to Ibrahim, the forces of Abrahamic monotheism. And you should have taken this side. But even then, you prefer to treat and negotiate and try to ally yourselves with the Unbelievers, the mushrikeen of Makkah, and Makkah and So, ahda means that they're more guided. And in fact, they would actually say that those who are disbelievers, pagans, are more guided, min amanu, than the people who have iman, in other words, the muslimin and minin of Makkah, and Makkah and So, what does the response I'll say in response to that? That even that you are disobeying not only in the Prophet and Qur'an that I sent, but you're disobeying in the book that you still have in the Seba portion of. So, أُولَٰئِكَ al لَأَنَهُمُ la'anahumullah That these are the people upon whom Allah subhanahu wa casts out from His mercy. Wa may فَلَنْ تَجِدَ لَهُ نَسِيرًا And that person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and each and every such person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cast out of His mercy, such a person will never, ever, ever find any help, any sucker, any helper in any way. أَمْ لَهُمْ نَسِيبٌ مِّنَ الْمُلْكِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now is asking them, and this is Allah subhanahu wa That do they think that they have any of the property or do they have any of the dominion? Here we're mentioning a lot of. Uh... So maybe I should do that for you. Okay, let me get, stop here also. The Lanat of Allah SWT, so the books of Tafsir mention a whole list of people whom Allah ta'ala has mentioned in Quran or Hadith that. He has cast them outside his mercy. First person is that which is concerning liquor. The person who drinks liquor. The person who sells liquor. The person who brews liquor. The person who brews liquor. So there's a place in your country called Murray Brewery. Any Muslim who works for Murray Brewery, even if he doesn't consume the liquor himself, if he works for Murray Brewery, he's a sinner. And first of all, he should not deceive himself by thinking that that liquor only goes to non-Muslims. Because <laughs> I, think, I think out of all the liquor that is consumed in Pakistan, 90% is consumed by Muslims. And only 10% is actually consumed by the diplomatic corps sitting in Islamabad. And so that's why my experience in university students as well, the ultra-elites in Islamabad are actually the most deviated, although they were few in number. Because they were spoiled by all the diplomatic corps that were there. Second most deviant were Karachi and third number was Lahore. <laughs> Alright? That's my own sociological experiment and experience. Okay? Another person who has been cast outside the mercy of Allah Taala is the one who harms or plots against believers. Here and another person who's been cast outside the mercy of Allah Ta'ala is this the person who tahrif and kitab, the people who change the scriptures of Allah Ta'ala knowingly, change the word of Allah Ta'ala knowingly. Another per- person who's cast outside the mercy of Allah SWT is that person who speaks ill of the Sahaba. Sayyidina Rasulullah صلى الله عليه said that when you see anyone who speaks ill of my companions, tell them that may Allah ta'ala's la'na, may his casting outside of his mercy befall you because of such evil. Next category is those who receive interest, give interest, describe who records that interest and the, the ones who witness that interest. Next category is the giver and receiver of a bribe. Next category is those, these, all, these are all the people who are cast outside the mercy of Allah. The person who gives and receives a bride. According to Hadith, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that the that, that, that removal of mercy, the latna comes on the person who gives the bribe, receives the bribe, as well as the one who is the intermediary between the two. Who arranges for that deal to take place which involves bribery and corruption. Those who stockpile com- basic foods at times of necessity. This has to do with hoarding. Ihtikar, it's called in Arabic. Right? That the people, it's near famine and they buy up all the wheat in the market. And then they drive the price up of the wheat and then take advantage of the situation that people are in near famine to make a living. Those who imitate the behavior of the opposite gender, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends, removes them from their mercy. Now it's not our job to send this, so we make dua for such people. Including your begum. You you have a begum who used to be on TV. Right? You should make dua for such people. Right? Even if they may show no signs of relenting or repenting at all, we should be as unrelenting in our dua and good hopes for them. If they ever heard this, they would laugh and mock in cynicism and sarcasm. No problem. We will be, if they are unrelenting in their cynicism and sarcasm, we have to be unrelenting in our kindness and gentleness to them. But if a person passes away and dies and and leaves this world in such a state, That they didn't make tawbah for such a sin. then this is considered one of the grave sins. That those men who imitate women and those women who imitate men. And this refers to both dress and appearance. It also refers to behavior. What they're calling is effeminate behavior. Right? Or certain women. uh, I mean there's an opposite. I can't remember the word of that. Uh, Effeminate is for a man trying to act like a woman. And there's another word for certain women who act like men. There's a kind of not crude word for that. I won't say it. It's a crude word, but there is a word for that as well. All right. Tara, I'm just going to keep reading the list, right? Uh, next is those who engage in the act of sodomy. Again, the person who does not make toba for that would be faced with the removal from mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those who slaughter animals in the name of some other being other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those who steal property. And here, Sayyidina Hassan al-Basri Allah Ta'ala has reported the hadith that Sayyidina Rasulullah s.a.w. says that Allah Ta'ala sends his la'na on the person who looks at a non-mahram and on the non-mahram that allows himself to be looked at. Allahu Akbar. This is also a very intense thing. Allah Ta'ala removes from his mercy that person who looks at that which he shouldn't have looked at and that woman who allows herself to be looked at when she shouldn't have been looked at. Right? And so this is not an excuse. Sometimes, sort of, very sort of westernized women say that, Right? That it should be that the man should lower his gaze. But it's equally a command for the woman that she should hide her beauty. That's all coming. It's all coming, and inshallah it will come in complete clarity when it comes. And the slaves of money, those who are slaves of money, so when the Hadith said that the person who is a slave to the dinar and dirham, what it means is that they violate and they break the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the sake of monetary pursuits. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Amlahum nasibum min al fa Fa'itha la yu'tunan nasa naqeera Alright, so we're on surah al-Nisa surah number 4, verse number 53. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is I, with the English word... Taunt is not appropriate for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is challenging them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing them His might and power by trying to show them How little or how no might and power they have By asking them that, Do they have some share in min mulk Do they have some share in the milkiyat and the dominion and sovereignty that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And if they do, in that case, even if they had some share, they would not have la yutuna. They're so stingy, this had come from before. They're so stingy, they would not give to humanity or people naqir. Naqir is like we had before, fatil also. They would not give people one drop, one iota, one atom's worth. (laughs) أَمْ يَحْسُدُونَ النَّاسَ عَلَى مَا أَتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ That is it that people, are they jealous, Or the, it's referring to the Jews, do they have hasad for humanity? But here specifically referring to the believing humanity, and that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them, min fadlihi out of His bounty, grace, and generosity. Fakad Ibrahim al Wal Hikmata wa Mulkan But indeed Allah Ta'ala says that indeed we had bestowed upon the Alibtain Ibrahim alayhi salam, the book, the scripture, Al Hikmatah, wisdom, and that we had bestowed upon them Mulkan Adima, a great and vast and mighty kingdom. For minhum and from them, man there are those who believe in it. Wa minhum man sadda and there are those who turn away from it. Uh, وَكَفَى بِجَهَنَّمَ Sa'ira <سَئِرًا> And Jahannam is a sufficient blazing fire for them. إِنَّ الْذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِآيَاتِنَا And indeed those who disbelieve in our verses of our revelation, sofa نُسْلِيهِمْ نَارًا Very soon we shall cast them into the fire of Jahannam. كُلَّمَا نَذِجَتْ جُلُودُهُمْ بَدَّلْنَاهُمْ the Allah Akbar Allah subhanahu ta'ala, he is referring to now you have the first time in Quran I think a mention, a description of how the fire of Jahannam will be painful so far we have just dealt with words Azeem, Aleem, Muheen, Sa'ir, Nar. now here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that what is going to happen that they will be cast into the fire of Jahannam and due to that fire because the fire certainly has a physical aspects, so when Nadijat Juluduhum, when their skin Julud literally means their hides their skins, when their skin burns away burns away is melted away. Badal hum juludan then we will then substitute we will put on them yet another skin. We will put on them yet another skin, Yazukul adab, So that they may taste the punishment. مِنك مِنك. And the reason why dhuk is being used here is that because skins have, you know, it's your tactile sense. You feel what comes on your skin, right? And so what they will feel is they will feel the adabs. Normally for us, we just taste with our tongue. And the reason Allah is using the word taste is when you taste with your tongue... Your tongue has so many, and this is for the people of anatomy to explain to you how your tongue has so many, many more receptors than your normal skin does. And that's why the tongue is able to distinguish all types of taste, all types of bitterness, sweetness, etc. Bittersweet, right? Chat mata whatever, chatpata, right? patan kya hota hai right? All I know is that ap-accha bala-fruit ko lekarus namak But Allah Ta'ala made sweet in this country, you have to put... Uh, salt and pepper and make it <laughs> right. Strange people you are, right? <laughs> All right. Inshallah, the samarat in jannah. I just for you to eat their own whatever everybody wants. apna chaat masala for the Thamarat of jannah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Fair. So um, I lightened it up for you because this is too intense for many of you. You are young people. Hmm? Dhuku is used for this adab because it means that your skin will be as sensitive as your tongue is. And it will literally taste. It means that the aleem means the jahannam will have so many different pains in it, so many different torments in it. Just like you can think that there are millions of flavors that a person can experience from their tongue, there will be millions of type of pain and torment that that person will face in the jahannam. And Allah taala will want that person to feel those millions of types of pains and torment or billions or infinite pains and torments over and over and over again. So Allah subhanahu will re-equip them with another jilt. The second the first one is melted away. Allahu akbar kameera. This is an intense, intense punishment. Hinnallaha Aziz azizun Hakima That indeed Allah subhanahu is almighty, all-wise. Allahumma inna Allahumma then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as is often, almost always, his practice in Qur'an al Karim, when he, fire, when he mentions Jahannam in a very intense way, he immediately follows it up with some ayat for the people of Iman and A'mal to soothe their hearts. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَأَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ and those who have iman and do righteous deeds. Now they hear the tathkira of the Adab of Jahannam. And now they will become people of ibadah and people of ihsan as we did earlier. جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِيمٍ تَحْتِ Al خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا And we will enter them into gardens underneath which rivers flow. And they will dwell therein. Now here the word abad is and explicitly abada. But they will dwell therein forever for all times. لَهُمْ mutahara. مُتَحْرًا We've done this before as well. They will have therein pure pure and purified spouses. And then we will enter them into a abundant shade. A shadeful shade. Literally means an extremely shadeful shade. Right? And the shade is viewed as a metaphor. It may be literal. But shade is also viewed as a place where a person gets rest. A person where a person gets sukun and itminan that they rejoice and they feel cool, right? And the notion here is to contrast the coolness of the shade with the intense heat of the fire of Jahannam. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمَرُكُمْ أَنْ الْأَمَانَاتِ إِلَىٰ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands you that you must return and you must proffer and you must consign and give the amanat the trust that have been bestowed upon you ila ahliha to their rightful owners. This is why our Masha'i and sow as well. When they take biat al-khalafah, they recite this ayah because it is viewed that the nisbat or Tatluk with Allah subhanahu ta'ala is not something khas to the awliya, but is actually something that is, belongs, is the true inheritance or property of all of mu'mineen. That's why Allah subhanahu says in Quran, wallahu waliya al so to bring the mu'mineen back to that trust and amanat that is actually theirs, it is the job of those whom Allah sponsors bestowed this responsibility to bring them to that, to return them to their amanat, return the amanat to them, in this case means to return them to the amanat that Allah Ta'ala had given them. Okay, here it means, specifically here, it also means that literally somebody has given you some financial property and bestowed it upon some item, has given it to you as a trust, that you must return those trusts to them. Wa Ida Hakamtum Bainan Nasi and Tahkumu bil Adl. And that when you decide between people, when you decide between people, you should decide on the basis of Adil of justice. This is referring to obviously number one, you can imagine the courts of law. It's also referring to any decision, any settlement, any dispute, any arb- any arbitration of dispute, be it in the family. Be it in a university, be it in an institution, organization, be it in a corporate workplace, be it in any situation, whenever you have to decide and arbitrate and settle a dispute between two people or two parties or two groups, you must do so on the basis of adal, on the basis of justice. This establishment of justice, and if you saw this before the returning of amanat, so this is what you call aman, aman and adal, these are Quranic features, this is a Quranic society. And the Qur'an and teachings of Qur'an and teachings of sunnah of Nabi Islam and teachings of deen of Islam have the most perfect aman and Adl in them. Contrary to what people suggest that if there was a quote-unquote Islamic state, Islamic means Adl. Islamic means aman. Islamic doesn't mean terror. Islamic doesn't mean the terror that is cast into the hearts of the you know, extremely liberal, progressive, non-practicing Muslims. Islamic state means a state of aman and adl and insaf. Uh, inna Laha Inna Laha Neema Ya Idukum Bihi Inna Laha Kana Sami An Basira. That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala نِئِمَّا ya'idukum That how wonderful and excellent and e- excellent indeed is that which ya'idukum That which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is guiding you to, inviting you to, or admonishing you from. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ سُمِيًّا basira. Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all hearing and all seeing and all aware. Or oh, you believe you should obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obey the Messenger ﷺ. بَعُولَ الْأَمْرِ And you should obey those who have authority over you. All right this is an important ayah of Quran al kareem Oh okay here we can do that as well what is considered an amana so what are the different amana that the mufassirin have mentioned here one, I've given you two examples of that amana i'll just mention the third example here that nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam said al majalisu amana that the gatherings are a trust and what somebody says to you the default position is that they took you in confidence. They don't have to say that. keep this between us. That's the default position in Islam. Unless it is something that they explicitly say or you know with certainty that it's something that they wouldn't mind that you share. The default position is the majalas amana. This means not just what people say to one another but what you observe. Which you observe in someone, or you observe in their house, or you're a guest at somebody's house. And sometimes, when you're a guest, you may notice certain things, or observe certain things, or learn certain things. All of that is in amana, right? And that amana should be safeguarded. In the date of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, also mentioned. This is Nabudaw. he is also mentioned. nasiha as an amana. That when a person gives you nasiha or advice or counsels you to any course of behavior, then that's not an amanat with you. And the way to fulfill that trust, to fulfill that amana, would be to act upon that advice. Alright, here this instruction comes in, Oh, you believe you should obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is understood. You should obey Sayyidina Rasulullah that is understood. وَأُولَ الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ And you should obey those who have authority over you. First thing that the Mufassirin write about this verse is the verb ati'u is repeated for taqeed in the first object and the second object but not repeated in the third one. What does this mean? Grammatically, it would have been correct to say Ya أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَتِيُوا اللَّهَ wa وَأُولَ الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ There you who believe, obey Allah and the Messenger and those in authority over you. But Allah Ta'ala brought the word verb obey twice, or you who believe obey Allah and obey the Prophet, but didn't bring it a third time and obey, but simply just said, and those in authority over you. Those of you who study Arabic understand this. This is the fil right? And here the emphasis was actually the absence of bringing the verb again for ulul amri minkum. What does it mean then if I were to try to explain to you, translate using additional English words, the grammatical features of this ayat would be that, O you who believe, in dip- obey, Allah Ta'ala on His own independent authority and right to be obeyed. وَأَتِئُ الرَّسُولَىٰ And obeyed the Prophet wasallam on His own independent right and authority to be obeyed. وَأُولَ Amri Minkum And those in authority over you should be obeyed. Based on the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet contingent obedience, to use a fancy English word, that the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is independent, the obedience to Sayyidina Rasulullah is also independent, and the obedience to the Ullah Amri Minkum is contingent on the first two. So this suggests that those who have been put in authority by you means that the deen of Islam and the teachings of Allah Taala, the teachings of the Prophet Wasallam, obedience to Allah obedience to the Prophet these things have put this person in authority over you. This has been understood in very, very wide ways. And I don't know how wide I want to take it. Here, number one way it's been understood is ulul amri minkum means those of your political rulers and those who have political rule and governance over you when they are, again it's dependent, it's not independent, it's dependent contingent, when their political rule and governance is obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu الله عليه وسلم. In that case then you must obey them as well. And I've shown you there, have been, there are cases in Islamic law where the judicial discretion or legislative power is given to the ruler especially in certain areas of criminal law, such as an example I gave you yesterday, that what should be the punishment for a person accused of rape? Or rather, what is the punishment for a person found guilty and convicted of rape? That's up to the ruler, right? That's up to the, is it 20 years? Is it 40 years, right? What is it? Is it life imprisonment? Parole, not parole? So as long as that ruler and system of rule is obeying Allah Ta'ala and obeying the apostles, then you must obey it in whatever discretionary powers are given to it second meaning it, it has ulul amri Minkum has been referred to as the fuqaha as normally the tafsir classical arabic tafsir mention these two words umara and fuqara umara means the leaders who are following obeying allah ta'ala and the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and fuqara means uh, sorry fuqaha fuqaha means those jurists who are obeying allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obeying the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam which means that if you receive a fatwa from a mufti you must obey it if that mufti has given you that fatwa on the basis of obedience to Allah and obedience to the Prophet Wasallam, That's another type of legal authority, right? So authority, legal authority, and, and that's what you would obey, has been vested in two categories of people. Those who are political and administrative rulers and those who are legal and, 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 legal and juridical scholars and judges and qadis and muftis, Right? This I. So, okay, this, that is the classical tafsir. Alright, others have taken this to mean even further. Others have taken this even further to mean that if there is somebody who has some authority over you in this world. And what they're asking you to do does not entail disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or disobedience to the Messengers Wasallam. And you have voluntarily, voluntarily placed yourself under their authority. Once you have chosen to do so, then you must obey them also. So sometimes ulama give this ruling about Muslims who are living in non-Muslim lands. If you chose to be their citizen, and let's say for example they tax you, you have to pay their taxes, Right? Because you have chosen to enter into this agreement where you have chosen by voluntarily adopting the citizenship of that country, you have volunteered to put that country in a certain level of authority over you. And as long as that does not entail any disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or disobedience to the Prophet Wasallam, then you have to obey that authority over you. Right? Okay. So it means you should think about then, you should think about the the the, magnif- the 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 ramifications of who has authority over you given and who you wish to place yourself under their authority based on uh, you know what the ramifications are and what implications that may have broadly for the spirituality of the Deen of Islam. <laughs> And if you disagree and dispute and fight regarding anything, فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ That if you disagree and dispute over any matter and affair, فَرُدُّهُ you should return and refer to Allah SWT and the Prophet وسلم, if indeed you are people who believe in Allah SWT and the Day of Judgment, ذَلَكَ خَيْرٌ وَأَحْسَنُ, ذلك خير وآحسن And that is indeed best for you, and that is the most noble most excellent way. Alright. Here, now, this verse is one of the verses that unfortunately has also been something that has been misinterpreted and misused. So first here you see that Allah didn't mention ulul minkum. When you return, when, when there is a dispute, you will refer the matter only to two. Allah and the Messenger, Sallallahu So this suggests that this is a dispute perhaps between you and those who have authority over you. Or dispute between and amongst those who have authority. All right. It should be referred to Allah taala the Messenger wasallam. Yes. Some people have taken this verse to suggest that when Ulul Amri Minkum means the fuqaha and mujtahideen, the jurists, that what they should do is they should refer their multiple legal positions to hadith. And the suggestion there is that hadith will singularly determine one legal position. This is an absolute either misunderstanding, gross misunderstanding. And in fact, inshallah, one of the works that we're working on and that we're working on this past year as well, one day if we ever Allah Ta'ala accepts us to put that in print, we'll reveal to you how gross this misunderstanding is. Or it's a gross misrepresentation. The multiple positions in jurisprudence arise from multiple hadith. And this is an understanding that I've traced back in my research this past year to all of the earliest scholars of the first three centuries. Every single one of them understood this. And none of them felt that it was just simply a matter of referring things back to Hadith and you would end up on a single position. Right? Okay. What it does mean is that when you sow... Uh, certainly, if it's in terms of people of political authority, that will be understood. If this, uh, in the sense that this verse applies to those of legal authority, it means that you should always keep Allah's book in mind and the Prophet's sunnah in mind whenever you are trying to issue a ruling. Okay? It does not mean that there is definitively always only one legal interpretation and one legal ruling. <inaudible> Here, this is a, that's the topic for a whole series of courses that we do that are called Islamic Scholarly Tradition. And some of the women and men may have taken that in different venues. Do you not gaze in wonderment and are you not amazed at those who yaz'amuna annahum amanu bima unzila ilayka, those who took the step and made the intention or made the claim or had the resolve that they would believe in that which was revealed to you, ma unzila min kablika, and that which was revealed before you, Yuriduna and what was their need In doing so, they were, their intention was that Okay, so this is a bad intention. That what do they want? Nonetheless, they seek judgment from Can either mean idols or can mean shaitan. Umiru ain. Bakad yakfuru. Wakat uminu ain yakfuru bihi. Alright. However, what happened is that Shaitan, what does Shaitan want? Okay? Wakat Uminu Ain Yakfuru Bihi. In fact they were commanded that they should disbelieve in Shaitan. Well you read to and Shaitan wants that he should make them go astray. Zalum Ba'ida, a wide going astray. He wants them to go far from the path. He wants them to go far from the path. So this is referring to a group of people who began with the right intention. And they wanted to believe in what was revealed to the deen of Islam what was revealed before them. This must have been a group of the ethnic kitab. Yet nonetheless, they seek judgment. And yet, that they seek judgment from shaitan. When in fact, they were commanded and everyone has been commanded to disbelieve in shaitan. And what does shaitan want? Shaitan wants to make them go astray. A wide going astray that they should go well off the mark. وَإِذَا اللَّهُمْ So then when it is said to such people, تَعَالَوْ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ وَإِلَّا الرَّسُولِ That you should come and join and come upon that which Allah subhanahu ta'ala has sent down. And you should come back to the way of the Prophet ﷺ. رَأَيْتِ Then what you will see is you will see that the hypocrites will stop, will prevent, will close the ways. They will close the ways and they will avert people سُدُودًا a terrible aversion. فَكَيْفَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَتُمْ بِمَا قَدَّمَتْ أَيْدِيهِنْ ثُمَّ جَاءُوكَ يَحْلِفُونَ So how will it be that when a difficulty or adversity or calamity reaches them, by means of that which they have already sent ahead with their hands, but if they earn with their own hands, so what will they do then? You will see thumajuka. Then they will come to you and say, "Nabiyyu kareem." So some يَحْلِفُونَ taking halaf. Halaf means taking promises. They will they swear, maybe on Allah or swear on something that they wanted to take iman. So يَحْلِفُونَ بِاللَّهِ that they will swear on Allah taala. In aradna illa isana. What? that They will say that no we only only wanted Ihsan and tofik. We only and only wanted to have har- Virtue Ihsan, virtue, nobility and excellent. And tofik. we were trying to create harmony We were going between these two groups The Murafiqin will say this That no no we were only trying to create harmony Between the Ahlul Kitab and between the Muminin. أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ يَعْلَمُ اللَّهُ But they are such people that Allah subhanahu wa knows intimately that which is in their but that which they harbor in their spiritual hearts. So again this is an Asharah that nifaq also is in the qalb. Iman is in the qalb. Here nifaq is in the qalb. And their irada also, and this comes later in Quran as well, that the irada is from the qalb. What they really intend, what they really wish, what they really want is something that lies in their qalb. So Allah Ta'ala tells the Prophet فَأَعْرِذْ أَنْهُمْ That you should abstain from them, refrain from them, turn away from them entirely. وَإِذْهُمْ And you should warn them and admonish them. وَكُلَّهُمْ فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ قَوْلًا And you should say to them that what happens inside of... You should say to them things that may be beneficial to their souls. قَوْلًا You may say things to them. Concerning them, themselves, kolon baligha, Balig here means extreme from, it's a, a sifat of from balagha, means that you should say to them things that will be, have an impact. You should say to them, concerning themselves, things that will have an impact on them. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا لَيُطَاءَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ And we, Allah Ta'ala is saying that we have never ever sent any prophet before except that they should be obeyed by the right and by the wish and will of Allah Ta'ala. وَلَا أَنَّهُمْ إِذْ ذَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ جاؤوك. That So if these people, if they wronged and oppressed and were unjust to their own souls, then you have come to them. فَاسْتَغْفَرُ So if they come to you, when they wrong their souls, and then they come to you, فَاسْتَغْفَرُ And they seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for doing so, اللَّهُمْ Then the Prophet وسلم should also make istighfar for them. If these two things happen, then what will you find? لَوَجَدُ اللَّهَ تَوَّابَ rahima. Then you will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is extremely relenting and extremely merciful. This is a very important ayah and many times people recite this ayah when they are going to the Rodha in Medina Manawara. Make note of this ayah, the Surah Nasa, Surah number 4, verse number 64. And this second part of the ayah. أَنَّهُمْ anfusahum أَنفُسَهُمْ فَاسْتَغْفَرُوا اللَّهَ وَاسْتَغْفَرَ لَهُمَّ الرَّسُولَ لَوَجَدُوا اللَّهَ تَوَّابًا رَحِيمًا That when they wrong and oppress and are unjust by through sins of their own selves, and then they come to you, jauqa, They come to you, Sayyidina Rasulullah الله الله This can include then coming to the Prophet when he was on the surface of this earth. And this can also be if that person was a sinner and they decide to go on the journey of Umrah and Hajj. And as part of that feature of that whole journey, they also go to Medina manawara for ziyadah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This would also, under the teaching of Ulama Ahlul Sunnah wal Jamaa, fall under the teaching of Ja'uka that they would also be coming to you, and as they would be going to the Prophet Sunnah Fasdaq Faru Allah, and they should make istighfar. So this is a Sunnah, this is a Quranic teaching. Then when you're on your way to Medina manawara or physically you're on your way from your hotel in Medina Manawara for ziyarah at the Roza, you should make istighfar, you should seek Allah forgiveness. وَاسْتَغْفَرَ الْهُمْ الرَّسُولِ And it can be hoped. Because Sayyidina Rasulullah is not just a Nabi for the Sahaba, but he's a Nabi for the entire Ummah. And it's possible if our Nabi Karim made istighfar, sought Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness on behalf of Sahaba, he may also seek Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness on behalf of any Ummati of his who comes in front of him at his roza. So this is something you could even ask the Prophet to do. You cannot pray to the Prophet, but you can say anything to the Prophet at his roza that you would have said to him if you had met him in real life. So you can come to making a safar and ask him to make his tikfar for you, because he is your Rasul as much as he is the Rasul of the Sahaba. But you may not have jurah to actually make that statement. That's why it's just better to recite this ayah at the Rosa, and Allah Ta'ala knows best and Allah Ta'ala and the Prophet will also understand perhaps why it is that you're reciting this ayah. So this is an important ayah, a very important ayah, especially for those who make ziyara at Medina menorah. And what will happen so it's it Allah Ta'ala saying that when you make a stick far and when the Prophet makes a far for you, لَوَجَدُ اللَّهُ Then these two things will mean that certainly ilam is for taqeer. Certainly and surely you will find Allah to be the al Rahimah. This should not be understood. This is not like the Christian concept that say they view our Sayyidina Ismail, they view that Jesus, right? Uh, mm, what is the word they use for this concept? Uh... Here one view is that Jesus died for your sins, right? One view is that they feel that Jesus needs to. So that any person's maghfira is not contingent on the Prophet asking them, right? For them, Jesus is the only way through salvation, right? For us, the Prophet making istighfar for any one of us is not the only way to be forgiven, but it is a way. It is a way mentioned in Quran al-Qur'an. And if a person has the opportunity to do amal on this ayah in this way of going to Madinah Manawra, it is possible that this may be yet another boost. But it's not exclusively maghfirah lies through the Prophet's istikfar for his ummah. We don't have that concept. Maghfirah can also lie direct in a person's own tawbah and a person's own istighfar. Right? Okay, and here also... Uh, Allah SWT is giving it another ishara before that. When He said, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِن رَسُولٍ إِلَّا بإذن اللَّهِ The Prophets are sent to be obeyed. It means the Prophet has also been sent for obeyed, for, to be obeyed. So this is taqeed for itaat الرسول Obeying the Prophet means following his sunnah, following his teachings, following his ta'limat, and trying to adopt his kifiat. فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ Fima Shajara Yajidu Mimma Wa Okay, here this is ayah number sixty five. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here now is making a qasam. Fala وَرَبِّكَ So this is wawi qasam for those of you studying now. This is not waw, it doesn't mean and. This is not wawi this is wawi qasam. wa and indeed, verily by the custom of your Rabb. And your here means, Ka means the Prophet So your Rabb means Rabbir Rasul, your Rabb, O oh beloved Messenger Wasallam. La yu'minuna hatta. They will not believe until what? Hatta yuhakkimuka. Until they make you the hakim fima between them. Until they make you the one who is the ruler over them. So this is another ayah that establishes the extreme importance of sunnah. This is something separate. I mean, because I believe in Allah, I believe in Qur'an. So Allah Ta'ala is saying in Qur'an, wa Rabbiqa." Allah SWT ta'ala swearing by the rub of the Prophet wasallam by your rub. La يُؤْمِنُونَ No Muslim believes. If they say we believe in Allah alone, we believe in Quran alone. Quran and Allah's ta'ala In Quran is saying, لا يؤمنون they will not believe. حتى يحكموك until they make you the hakim, فيما between them, في فيما شجر بينهم in that which with, in that which in the disputes that occur between them. ثم لا يجدو في أنفسهم هرجة مما and then also that you should not they should not be found in their selves. They should not find anything in their selves, disharajam. they should not find any harm in what you decide, what you decide. Mimma this is giving the Allah Ta'ala giving legislative and judicial authority to say Rasulullah to decide matters and affairs. And Allah Ta'ala is saying in the Quran that a person does not have iman Until number one, they make the Prophet ﷺ the hakim and the judge over the affairs. And number two, that they don't feel inside themselves even the slightest. Harajan, again, the tanmin there is for tanqir. They don't even find the slightest flaw or have the slightest grievance or have the slightest gripe against what the Prophet ﷺ decides. وَيُسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا And they submit to what? To the Prophet ﷺ, تَسْلِيمًا and absolute submission. This verse, again, Surah Nusa, Surah 4, verse number 65, establishes with extreme might and power the authority of the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ. So persons shouldn't feel that I don't like the sunnah, or even the slightest feeling in their heart that they don't like what their Prophet ﷺ decided for them has been mentioned by Allah in Qur'an as something that could endanger their very iman. All right. Here, there are certain incidents that the Mufassirin have recorded that prompted this verse, right? But the import and meaning and weight of this verse is not confined to those particular incidents. Alright? It's not confined to these particular, in, that those particular incidents that are mentioned. Wallao anna kittabna alayhim anfusakum aw min diyarikum. ما فعلوه إلا قليل منهم ولو أنهم فعلو ما يؤذون به لكان خيرا لهم وأشد التثبيت Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is if indeed we had prescribed them that what they should do أنقتلوا أنفسكم that they should kill themselves or they should leave their homes right or they should leave their homes they would not do so ما فعلو they would not do إلا كَلِيلٌ except a few from amongst them وَلَوْ أَنَّهُمْ فَأَلُوا And if only they were to do what they had been admonished to do, ما يُعَذُونَ What they had been admonished or warned or guided to do, بِهِ لَكَانَ خَيْرَ That would have been better for them. وَأَشَدَّ And that would have been more strengthening for the imam. I'll explain in a moment who these people were. وَإِذَا مِنْ And in that event, if they had done so, we would have surely granted them, we would have surely certainly bestowed upon them مِنْ لَدُنَّ from our own stores and from our own self أَجْرًا أَذِيمًا an immense and enormous reward. سِرَاطًا Mustaqima And surely we would have guided them to the sirat mustaqim. All right. Here Allah ta'ala is highlighting the quality of the believers that they should accept the decisions of the Prophet of Allah. And this is not as difficult. In other words, not difficult, Allah Ta'ala is referring to the previous thing that we did for you In Surah Baqarah, and in the incident so when the Bani Israel were commanded by Sayyidina Musa, based on what he received from Allah, that their method of Tawbah was that they had to kill themselves, right? And so what the Prophet is asking the believers to do is easier than that. They're not being asked to do something which is as intense as earlier ones were to do. But Allah Ta'ala is saying in the Qur'an that only a few people, even from the al Muslimah, only a few people would have been able to do. Illa كَلِيلٌ minhum Would have been able to do these commands if Allah Ta'ala directed their commands. It comes in one riwayah that Sayyidina Abu Bakr siddiq when this verse was revealed, he told the Prophet You told me to kill myself, I would have done so. And the Prophet did this Zdiik of him and said, Yes, he is such a person that if I had told him, indeed who would have done so? All right? Okay. All right. Wa man yute illah this is another very important ayah, and this is the ayah which will show you how even a non-nabi can gain entry into genital for those Surah An-Nasr, surah number four, verse sixty-nine. Wa man and each and every single believer yute illaha, who obeys Allah subhanahu wa taala. What the Rasulah and the Messenger sallallahu Wasallam, What will they get on the basis of that obedience? Fa ulaika ma'alladina an amalahu alaihim min wa wa shuhada that they will be like a ma'ah. They will have the ma'iyat. They will dwell in Jannatul for those for all of eternity. With who which people? With those people an amalahu alaihim whom Allah subhanahu wa sent in inam I told you in Surafatiha, Salaatuladina and Amta Alehim, the tafsir that is this ayah, Surah nisa verse number sixty nine. Who are those people whom Allah sent his in Ahmad, his special favours? They are those who are from Nabiyeen, the, the Prophets, Siddiqeen, the truest followers, truest and sincerest followers of the Prophets, shuhada'i, and those who offer their lives for the sake of Allah and are slain in that path with salihin, and the righteous followers of the Prophets. Anyone who obeys Allah s.a.w. who may not themselves be, will certainly not be from the Nabi'in, and may not themselves even be from Siddiqin, may not be from Shuhada, may not even be at the level of Salihin. But just because they obey Allah and obey the Prophet s.a.w., such people would be with the Salihin for all of eternity in Jannah. So this requires both obedience to Allah wa Taala and obedience to the Prophet Sallallahu So Jannah Til Firdaus, access is still there, admissions are still being taken, hmm? admissions are open, visas are still being granted. Hmm? But you have to obey Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and obey the Prophet Sallallahu and what is and who are such people? Muhasuna ulalika rafiqa And indeed the most virtuous, most excellent rafiq companions to have for all of eternity are ulaika. are these Nabi'een, Siddiqeen, Shuhada and Allah, And this really indeed is the bounty and grace and generosity from Allah that a non-saliheen can also enter genital for those Based on their obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obedience to the Sunnah, this is the incredible fuzzle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala waqafa billahi alimah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient to be alim, Allah wa Ta'ala suffices as the all knowing and knowing each and everything. Ya Ayyuhaladina Amanu, O you who believe, Kudu Hidrakum, fanfiru Subatin Awin Firu Jamiah that O you who believe Okay, this is okay. Let me mention also very beautiful hadith that on the previous ayah that has come, and this hadith that you would have heard us mention many, many times, that once the Sahabah were asking Sayyidina Rasulullah that if jannat is based on darajat, and there are levels in Jannah, and the level of Jannahs are obviously according to the rutbah and maqam and taqwa of the person, then you will be in a daraja altogether than ours. So that means we will be separated from you. So what type of Jannah is that for us that when we are with you and united with you in Medina Manawra in this life on earth, we will be separate from you there. So Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa responded with the hadith that many sahaba said was our favorite hadith thereafter and he said, Alman aman that a person will be with whom they love love. But that love has dictates and part of that love means following and obedience. A person will be with whom they love. So what is going to be the fuel that enables a person to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet so they can get that genital for those that is the love that they have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the love they have for Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That is why our Masha'iq of the always stressed, love for Allah, muhabbatu ilahi, and love for the Prophet wasallam, rasul. Because these two are the most important emotions. And that person who has these two emotions in their heart, the, such feelings in the heart will override and overpower a person to the actions of obedience. And when they're overpowered into the actions of obedience, they will inshallah gain an admission and entry into Jannatul those. So this hadith, al man Manahabba, this ayah over here, Surah An Surah 4, verse verse 69. And there's another ayah that is coming, and I'll mention that to you. These three things make it clear that a person can get access to genital for those, even if they're not from the Sadaheen even, but based on their love and the obedience that is born of, the, of that love for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And in, this, in, the, in Sahih Bukhari, Nabi Ya Kareem some said that Jannatul al is that highest rank of Jannah above which lies nothing else other than the Arsh of Ar-Rahman. So the canopy and the ceiling, the skies, the skies that a person who is Jannat al will see, their sky view will actually be the Arsh of Ar-Rahman, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the place that is Jannatul al Khair All right. Feed. All right these next few ayat from 71 to 74 are talking, and I mentioned to you earlier that they're going to mention some additional aspects of ahkam of jihad, when we were giving you the overview in the beginning of Surah Nisa. So here what Allah says, and all you believe, what you should do is you should take precautions, khudu hidrakum, khudu hidrakum, that you should take your precautions, And then you should dispatch yourselves dispatch yourselves or advance with small detachments or you may dispatch yourselves altogether. So this is referring to two different types of military strategy. You should take precautions you should assess the situation either you should dispatch yourself and proceed in groups, regiments or battalions or something smaller than that or Avin firu or there may be occasions in which you should proceed forth altogether, together, all as one. laman. And if there is a, if indeed there are amongst those of you, if there is from you laman such a person, lo anna, that they waver, they tarry, they laggard, they're laggards, they lag back, they lag back, they don't want to, they're not so bold in going forth. Alright, so for such a person, فَإِنْ أَصَابَتْكُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ That if a calamity befalls you, that أَنْ أَمَ اللَّهُ That you, you should, What they, such a person says, as says, Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent a gracious bounty on me. Why? is لَمْ أَكُمْ مَأَهُمْ ما That I was not with them present or witness, or it can also mean that I was not made a martyr with them. So it's referring to those who lag back, who lag behind, who don't go forth in jihad. And then they find out that the Muslim army suffered some losses right in battle. So they pray, they actually say that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his favor on me, that I chose to lag back and I was not amongst those. And again it could mean I was not amongst those shaheed, I was not amongst those present during that calamity. Or it could mean I was not amongst those slain and martyred. Obviously the second meaning would be even worse because wanting to be a shaheed is something that should be a feature of every moment, Right? So if we take it the first way, in the first sense, it is a lighter meaning. That I wasn't present. I wasn't present there. Alright. Well, in فَضْلٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ And if a grace and generosity reaches you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَيُكُولَنَّ كَانَ لَيكولنَّ That indeed they will certainly say, كَأَلَّمْتَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ وَبَيْنُهُمْ مَوَدَّةٌ يَا لَيْتَنِي كُنْتُ مَأَهُمْ فَأَفُوزَ فَوْزًا أَذِيمًا That they will say basically, they say, that, Oh, I wish I had been there. Then I could have also partook of this incredible success. So they will they say? Definitely. They will definitely, definitely, certainly say. This is what it means. Where did it go here? here لَيَكُولَنَّ Means they will certainly, definitely, surely say. Takun wa as if there was no love or love lost, if you will, between you and them. As if there existed no love between you and them. Ya that, oh woe to me, I wish indeed I had been with them, Fafuz Adima, then I would have also attained this great success, this Fozan Adim. Describing all of this is the person who lags behind. فليكاتل. And would that they fought فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ الَّذِينَ يَشْرُونَ الْحَيَاتِ Would that they had fought in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those who wish to, wish to uh, trade the life of this world for the Akhirah. وَمَنْ يُقَاتُلْ فِي But those who do actually fight for the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or are martyred for yuktal or slain or martyred. Oh, yaglib. Fasofa no'tihi ajan adima O nag yaglib or that person who attains victory. Alright, so there are different surahs here. Either you were shaheed or you will be victorious. There's no sense of defeat. This is what Allah is trying to say. When you go on a true jihad, fi sabilillah, there's no sense of defeat. Either you were victorious or you were made, sh- made shaheed. Fasofa no'tihi in either case in either case, whether the person victorious or shaheed, Allah tells us soon, very soon, we shall grant that person, Adhima, a deep and magnificent reward. Alright. Here Allah sp. is referring to the conduct of the munafikeen. And those were the ones who lagged behind, who tarried. We had given you that, right, first in Uhud and in other occasions as well. We had mentioned to you a couple of days ago, Abdullah bin Obey, and he lagged behind with a total of 300 people, including himself. So this is referred. Now obviously and that was the case where they felt that the Muslims were defeated. So that was when they said they were, they were happy. An- amallahu that Allah Ta'ala sent a blessing on us that we were not with them. Right? We were not present with them or we were not with them to become shaheed. So we did details of this earlier. But... The second part of the ayah is what is very important here where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ يُقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ And that person who fights aggression with like aggression until the aggressor stops their futna. That person who fights fitna, sedition and discord so that it is wiped away from the earth so that deen and sukun and Itmanan may be ghalib on earth. That person fayuqtal or either they may be slain and made martyred or they may be victorious. Either way, very soon Allah SWT says that we will bestow upon them a tremendous and great reward. <الله> then what is there? What reason could remain? What excuse could you have? That you don't fight aggression and injustice in the path of Allah SWT? Afina مِنَ الرِّجَالِ nisai وَالْوِلْدَانِ الَّذِينَ يُكُولُونَ رَبَّنَا أَخْرِجْنَا مِنْ هَذِهِ الْقَرْيَةِ الظَّالِمِ أَهْلُهَا وَجْأَلْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ وَلِيَّا وَجْأَلْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ النَّسِيرًا So here what Allah SWT is saying is that why, excuse do you, you have not to fight in the way of Allah ta'ala and, and in the Sabil of mustaz'afin those who were weak. So this was something that came earlier when it said as defense. That shows you, right? This fighting aggression is fighting for the sake of Allah and fighting on behalf of those who are weak. There may be men who are weak, women who are weak, children who are weak. Children who are weak. Right? And these, all these people who are weak, what are they doing? What is the cry of the oppressed? What is the cry of the weak? What is the dua that they make? Rabbana, that O oh, our Rabb, akhrijna, take us out min hadihil I take us out, uh, from this, it can mean literally village, but it can mean city or from this place or from this town. And what is that? كَرْيَا <karyakarat الظالم> كَرْيَةِ That the أَهْلُهَا are zhalim, That the people in أَهْل also means those in authority. That the ones who are in authority in this area are zalim or unjust oppressors. وَجَأَلَّنَا <gasps> waliya? And make and establish and appoint for us from your own self a wali. Wali here can mean a defender. Appoint a defender for us. Allāna min al nasīra, and appoint for us your own self a helper who will help us. Alladhīna يُقَاتِلُونَ yuqatilūna fi sabilillāh. And indeed, those who really believe uh, uh, in Allāh subḥanahu Ta'ala, they will. Alladhīna aminu. Those who believe, they will fight aggression in the path of Allāh subḥanahu wa'taāla. كَفَرُوا يُقَاتِلُونَ yuqatilūna fi sabilittaqyud. And those who disbelieve are also fighting, but they're fighting in the path of Shaitan. فَقَاتِلُوا أَوْلِيَاءَ الشَّيْطَانِ And you should fight the intimate friends of shaitan. إِنَّكَيْدِ الشَّيْطَانِ كَانَ Zaifa, And you should know that the cunning and plotting and contriving of shaitan is extremely weak. I will amount to nothing if you rise up and fight that aggression and transgression. So this dua that we had recited then earlier on verse number 75, we should then imagine right, that how many Muslim women in Palestine or Kashmir, or Chechnya, or Afghanistan, or children would be making this du'a. This is the du'a that they make to Allah subhanahu when the bombs are dropped on them from above, when the bullets are fired on them from below. And don't think that they don't know, many of them would know this du'a as well. Right? And this is the du'a that they make. And if the Muslim ummah fails to respond to those du'as, just like Europe would view themselves to be collectively guilty just like they view themselves as collectively guilty for allowing the Holocaust to take place on their soil and thereafter they establish NATO to make sure any such thing never happens again, just like that the Muslim nations should view themselves as guilty if they allow any type of Holocaust, genocide, murder of any innocent civilians, be it in the name of collateral damage, be it in the name of national interest, to take place on any of their soils but you will find that although many, many leftist liberal activists in America are extremely upset over the civilian casualties in Iraq and Afghanistan, not a single Pakistani can barely shed a tear, and especially your English language newspapers, and most especially amongst them the Daily Times and Friday Times, have never even offered a single opinion piece or column that has come across my eyes in which they condemn the civilian casualties in these countries. So, in fact, the Los Angeles Times and New York Times is much, much better than... And the Independent and the Guardian of the United Kingdom are much, much better than your Friday Times and Daily Times and Express Tribune. And it shows, really, that the English-educated media, the English-language media of this country, is consists of not entirely, but many, many insensitive, unfeeling, uncaring, and entirely illiberal people who posture under the name of liberalism just to fuel the desires of their own nafs. right? And Allah, I wouldn't tell you, but some of those editors, some of them, the things that we have heard their own sub-editors tell us about them in terms of their morality or their moral depravity, right? Ajit, really, uh, it's, it's not, uh, not a good thing. Not a good thing that is going on. right? And it's unfortunate that you don't have I'd say a very good quality English-language newspaper here like the Independent and like the Guardian in the United Kingdom. Fair. So where were we? How much more do we have? <laughs> إذا فَرِيْكُمْ منهم يخشون الناس كخشية الله أو أشد خشية وقالوا ربنا لما كتب علينا الكتاب لولا أخلتنا إلى أجل قريب كل متع الدنيا قليل والآخرة خير لمن تكاف ولا تدلمونك فتيلة. Here, Allah saying that. So there are some people. ترى, do you not gaze in wonderment and amazement are you not astonished and stunned by those people? That it is said to them, kufu أَيْدِيَكُمْ That it is said to them that restrain your hands, وَأَكِيمُ And you should establish the salah, and you should pay your zakah. فَلَّمَا كُتُبَ عَلَيْهُمُ الْكِتَالِ And then when it was prescribed upon them, Al-Kital, fighting aggression, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and defending the weak from the men and the women and the children and everything that we did and we discussed above. Then what happened? إِذَا فَرِيكُمْ whom Then all of a sudden, إِذَا here is coming for suddenly a group from amongst them. يَكْشَوْنَ النَّاسِ They started fearing people. They started fearing others. They started fearing humans. كَخَشْيَتِ The way that Allah should be feared. They started fearing people the way that Allah should be feared. And anas here can mean they started fearing the enemy, the aggressor the unjust aggressor whose aggression needs to be fought, they started fearing them, the way the enemy should be feared. Oh, ashanda khashya, or they even, uh, the way Allah Ta'ala should be feared. In fact, they even feared that enemy even more than they would have ever had fear of Allah subhanahu wa Ta'ala. An even greater fear. so what did they say? They would say, oh, al lima katabta alayna al Why have you made this fighting aggression mandatory on us? Lola akhaltana. إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ كَرِيبٍ That couldn't you just have given us a little bit of time? Couldn't you have made this muakhir upon us? إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ كَرِيبٍ And a short while, couldn't you have given us some small respite? قُلْ So say my beloved messenger ﷺ to people who say such a thing, مَتَاُ الدُّنْيَا That every single thing and all of the stuff and matter of this world is kalil, is a trifle. What is it that you need a respite for? You want some small time to mass more of this world? وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لِمَنِ اتَّقَى And the akhirah is infinitely better for that person who has taqwa, who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and abstains from sin. وَلَا تُلَّمُونَ فَتِيلًا And you will not be treated unjustly. No injustice will be done unto you, even a fraction, even the slightest fraction, not in Adam's way. you تَكُونُوا يُدْرِكْكُمُ الْمَوْتُ وَلَوْ كُنْتُمْ فِي بُرُوجٍ مُشَيِّدًا Alright. Where will you be? Now here, here. okay, let's see over here. Up till now this is about those who evade fighting aggression for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing more really to say about this. I think the Qur'an is quite self-explanatory. Wherever you may be, Wherever you may be, death will find you. Wherever you may be, yudrikumul mot. Death will find you wherever you may be. It means that, you know, either you have a choice, right, of sitting here and letting your death meet you at the hands of an unjust aggressor, or you may have a choice of letting your death meet you, trying to repel the injustice of that aggressor. Either way, one way or the other, death will meet you, right? This is the situation that existed at that time, and that is the situation that exists in certain places in the world at this time as well. Right. Okay, walau kuntu means And even if you were to be Buruj, those of you who have been right to the Arab world know Buruj is a tower, Buruj is towers Mushayyada means extremely high and lofty Suggesting that you're beyond the reach Right so if you're on your lofty perch, similar you have metaphor in English, that if you're on your lofty perch you are beyond the reach, so Allah SWT is saying death will come to you anywhere. وَإِنْ تُصِبْهُمْ حَسَنَةً That when reaches them a good deed, something good, what do they say? Yukulu هَذِهِ مِنْ إِنْدِ And they say that this is from Allah SWT. وَإِنْ تُصِبْهُمْ سَيْئَةً When something ill or evil befalls them, what do they say? Yukulu هَذِهِ مِنْ indika. That they say that this is from you. Right? This is because of you. Who is the you? Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. These are the munafikeen. Right? When things were good, right? And then when things are good and things are going in the tide of the believers, they like to say we're believers. And they say that because we're believers, these are things that are coming to us from Allah Taala. And when all of a sudden things get tough, so the mushrikeen of Makkah start waging their wars against them and sending their armies against them. And now there's a call that you have to go forth and defend yourself and fight those unjust aggressors and defend the weak they say, oh, this is a calamity, this is because of you. They would blame the Prophet, because of you, you somehow upset them, or you were the cause of this. Ajib, right? And remember, this was what the Bani Israel used to do. They used to blame their Prophets, the level they used to kill their Prophets. So the Malafiqeen have that nisbat, right? So they're saying, they say that whenever some ill, Ill or difficulty befalls them, they say, this has been induced because of you, go say to them, my beloved Messenger, sallallahu Kullum min indillah. No, All of it and each and everything that is befalling us and that befalls you is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَمَا لِهَا أُولَٰئِ الْقَوْمِ لَا يكادون يَفْكَهُونَ haditha. That what is it, right? And here this is interesting for those who study fiqh and hadith, they see these words together, right? يَفْكَهُونَ هَدِيثًا فَمَا لِهَا أُولَٰئِ الْقَوْمِ That what is it with these people? What is the matter with these people? <laughs> that there doesn't seem to be any remote even hope that they can understand haditha, the words and the statements. And certainly the Arabic here is used, and this is used in Uluma Islamia to understand as well. That hadith, words, and statements need to be understood. And that is a process, and that is a skill, and that is a knowledge, and that is an ability. And we're going to do much, much later, it's coming in Quran al Kareem. Ghulib and Surah At-Tawbah, I think, is going to come in Quranic and but Allah wa ta'ala mentions that understanding the ahkam, understanding the legal injunctions of Sharia, requires a particular skill called tafakkuh, which means deep understanding and insight, which is based on scholastic learning and erudition. And just like Yafkahuna Haditha, like Allah Ta'ala is saying that these people need to understand the words and statements of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala and events, just like that, there will be a need for a group of people, a particular class of scholars in Islam called Fuqaha, who will understand the legal imports and the legal meanings of Quran and Hadith. Just like there will be a group in this Ummah called Awliya, who will understand the spiritual import and the spiritual feelings that should be derived and imbibed and inculcated on the basis of Quran and Hadith. Ma asabaka min. Faminallah That each and everything that reaches you, right? So Allah Ta'ala is not correcting their statement. Allah Ta'ala is going to turn their statement back on them. That whatever, ever good reaches you, whatever good you are able to attain, فَمِنَ اللَّهُ That is from Allah Ta'ala. وَمَا أَسَبَكَ مِنْ سَيِّئَةٍ And whatever reaches you and whatever you attain by means of evil or sin, فَمِنْ نَفْسِك It is from your own self. And it can also mean also from your own nafs. It's not from the Prophet ﷺ, it's from your own self or from your own nafs. وَأَرْسَلْنَاكَ nasi رَسُولًا And here is again the Qur'anic humanity that Allah Ta'ala is saying is, we sent you, Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ, nasi رَسُولًا to all of humanity. And therefore when the Prophet is sent as a Prophet to all of humanity that includes Jews and Christians, therefore they don't, any group of humanity that does not accept the Prophet that is sent to them, that is called an unbeliever. Any group or segment of humanity that does not believe in and obey and accept and follow the Prophet that was sent to them is viewed as unbelievers in that day and age when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send in Quran, in saying in Qur'an al-Kareem, وَأَرْسَلْنَاكَ لِلنَّاسِ رَسُولَىٰ That we sent you, the beloved alaihi wasallam as a Prophet to all of humanity. That means that all of humanity thereafter from Qur'an onward is liable to believe in the Prophet wasallam. وَكَفَىٰ بِاللَّهِ shahida, And indeed, Allah wa ta'ala is sufficient to act as a witness over humanity, whether they accept you as a Rasul or not. And secondly, it could also mean, and Allah wa ta'ala is sufficient that He is a witness to your Prophethood. Even if all of humanity would gather together to deny your Prophethood, Allah wa ta'ala is witnessing and testifying to your Prophethood is sufficient. <laughs> Subhana rabbi na ala wahaballah ala siddhna Muhammad wa ala ali sirna Muhammad wa barak wa sallam. Rabbana zanamna anfusana wa illam takfillana wa tarhamna lana koonanna khasireen. Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you grant each and every one of us who is married a happy married life. Those of us who have yet to be married, grant them a happy married life. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let the husbands fulfill the rights of the wives. Let the wives fulfill the rights of the husbands. Let it never ever come to an incident of even verbal admonishment. Let it never ever come to an incident of separation of the beds. Let it never ever come to an incident of chastisement. Let it never ever have to need resort to third party arbitration. And let no rishta, no nikah, no bond, no pair that was made in your name let it never ever end in a divorce Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah we ask that you enable us to follow the teachings of the deen teachings that we've outlined in al Kareem and Ya Allah Rabbi Karim, we ask that you revive the true teachings of the deen of Islam, we ask that you protect the deen from all of those who misrepresent the teachings of Islam who slander the teachings of Islam we ask that you enable the true meaning of jihad and kitab as you wish it to be and you outlined in Quranul Kareem let that true meaning become ghalib, let that true meaning become well understood, let that true meaning become well practiced, Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem And Ya Allah We ask that you save us From any and all of the Kabair Ya Allah We ask that you protect us From the Kabair That you place us In your Hifazah From the Kabair And Ya Allah We ask that you make us steadfast On all of those features of Deen That will be a means Of the kafara Of our Siyyaat That will be a means Of an expiation Of our minor sins Ya Rabbi Kareem We ask that you bring us Closer to you On a path of Ita'at Make us obey each And every one of your commands Let us obey each in every command of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu and Ya Allah let us be, become people of Asan to all of our elders to all of our parents, to all of our relatives let us be people of Asan to all of our neighbors near and far people of Asan to all of our companions who are dear and people of Asan to all of our employees and staff and household staff and servants Ya Rabbi kareem, let us do amal on each and every ayah of Quran let us not live a life except that it contains amal on each and every ayah Ayah of Qur'an, Rabbana takabbal minna innaka anta assamil al-adeem, wa atubu alayna innaka anta at rahim, wa sallallahu ta'ala al-habibihi sayyidina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajmain, bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin, amin.